I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Thin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to ThinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Killer in me is the killer in you. God, I love that lyric, don't you? Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corrigan, on your hump day Wednesday morning. It's going to be a gorgeous sunny day here in New York City. It is 6.03. Welcome back to the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show, not just in New York City, but all across the state and probably across the country. We are Bernie and Sid in the morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. No Bernard today. Another round of chemotherapy, he thinks, for some reason, he may be back tomorrow. We will see. And then, of course, uh, we've got two more shows, tomorrow and Friday, before vacation next week. So we'll see what uh, what Bernie can uh, or can't do. Uh, either way, you know, I'll be here, and the shows are going to be great. We've got great guests coming up today. I mean, great guests. Congressman Peter King, always a weekly highlight. He'll be here at 8.40 this morning. Joe Pinion, I really like Joe Pinion. He's running against Chuck Schumer, of course, that louse. He'll be here live in studio, Joe, coming up at 9.05. And then we go live to Wimbledon. Big story yesterday, Serena Williams, one and done. The greatest tennis player of all time. On the female side, of course, one and done. In fact... I think she's gone now about 13 consecutive majors without winning. Her last win coming, I believe, in Australia back in 2017. So we will talk to the great Patrick McEnroe, live from Wimbledon, coming up at 7.05. The big story there is is that the Russian tennis players were not allowed to play at Wimbledon this year because of the Russia-Ukraine war. 
and that has uh, sparked a lot of controversy in the tennis world. Why are you holding it against the tennis players that Putin decided to invade the Ukraine? So we will talk to Patrick McEnroe about a host of things coming up once again live from Wimbledon at 7.05. But, of course, the major, major story here in New York this morning is you've got our two winners in the primary. No surprise on the left, Kathy Hochul, the governor right now. I think the only surprise really is that Tom Swazi, you remember Tom Swazi came on the show told me and Bernie that Ron DeSantis's parental act down in Florida made sense. He wouldn't want his kids being taught sex by some, you know, earringed, blue-haired teacher either. And then after two or three days, when his donors started to call and Democrats called him out in local publications, he went back on it and said, oh, what I said to Sid and Bernie was inartful. Needless to say, I had a uh, cell phone conversation with Swazi. And I told him, you better, I mean this, folks, I said, you better come on tomorrow and clear this up. And he said, and I quote, I can't tomorrow, I'm on with Len Berman. <laughs> that, was, that was it for me. I love Len Berman. He's a super guy. But that may be the worst radio show in the history of radio. And they don't what even, are you nuts? thank you, Mike. And they don't even compare to us in the, I mean, come on. I got to be on with Len Berman. So I, I cut the cord that day. I have not spoken to Tom Swazi since. I beat the hell out of him on the air with John Katzenbatidis the next morning. Bernie came back. He beat him up, too. But here's Swazi, big talking Tom Swazi. The only surprise yesterday was he came in third. Tom Swazi couldn't even beat Jamani Williams. And look, Jamani's a, a courageous guy. You know, he's a smart guy. Not easy to do what he does. He does suffer from Tourette's in a big, big way. So I've got respect for Jamani. But if you can't beat Jamani Williams, you have to hang it up. That's it. <laughs> I mean, thank you for the – it's been a nice career. He's won a couple of times out on Long Island. But this guy's a joke. And to me, that was the biggest surprise of both primaries because the right side went the way I thought it would, even though Zeldin beat Andrew more handily than I thought he would. But I, I, I really didn't know. I knew that Astorino and Harry Wilson would come behind Zeldin and Giuliani, and that was the case. So it was Kathy Hochul commanding over a half a million votes. You know, when you get ready for the, for the big race in November, just remember this, that Kathy Hochul got over a half million votes in New York yesterday. Low turnout, over a half million votes. And when you add up Zeldin, Giuliani, and Astorino, the top three finishers on the right, they combined for less than 370,000. So when you talk about the uphill battle, of a Republican winning in this state. There it is right there. Hochul beat the three of them, the three of them, by over 130,000 votes. That's a lot. Again, she just absolutely destroyed Williams and Swazi. No surprise. She will be the Democrat candidate come November for governor here in the state of New York. And here she was reveling in her victory, this louse, Kathy Hochul. It has been the highest honor of my life to serve as your governor for the past 10 months. And what a 10 months it's been. Right from the start, our kids were heading back to school as you're seeing an increase, a surge in Delta. And on top of it, hurricanes immediately struck and people lost their lives and their homes. And the cost of living kept going up and up and up. Workers, small businesses and families were dealing with excruciating stress and financial challenges. And the crime and violence that has taken so many lives. And most shockingly, my own hometown of Buffalo, New York, where we lost some of my neighbors. 
hard to still comprehend that, as well as the day-to-day -day victims of gun violence in our streets and cities all across this state. Yet we faced all those challenges. We faced all those challenges. Failed. And you know what? We persevered. No, you didn't. And we prevailed. No. You know why? You Failed. know why? Because we're New Yorkers, right. and we get things done. I mean, you're such a... Uh, shut up. No, 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 God, me stop it. You didn't prevail. You failed, which is nice because it rhymes, you know. Uh, crime is worse than ever. Worse than ever. People are dying every day. Yes, in your hometown of Buffalo, as well as Rochester and Syracuse and Binghamton and New York City. Where did you prevail? Where is New York doing better exactly? You won yesterday because the other two were just absolutely ridiculous candidates. And let's be honest, again, without, without being too disrespectful, Tom Swazi and Jamani Williams, I mean, come on. But uh, where did you prevail exactly? People are leaving this city and this state like it's on fire. So um, there's Kathy Hochul beating her chest when, in fact, she's been in about 10 months, not just a lousy governor, but uh, one of the most corrupt. If you think about the fact that Kathy Hochul has been in power for less than a year, less than a year, that whole nonsense with her husband and the Buffalo Bills Stadium, that wasn't very nice, wasn't very pretty. That's still going on, by the way, costing taxpayers money. Then, of course, you've got the other nonsense, fixing her office. Uh, one of her donors actually doing that. That's uh, more corruption. And then on top of all of it, her lieutenant governor, Benjamin, that guy, he gets arrested. So in, in less than a year, there have been more scandals and more corruption in and around Kathy Hochul on top of the fact that she's got nothing done. Now, she did try. She did try to reform some of the bail. And we know, of course, that uh, Andrea Stewart, Cousins, and Carl Heasty want nothing to do with that. But she's been a dismal failure. She did win yesterday, and she'll be favored to win in November. Because I don't think Lee Zeldin is uh, the strongest candidate ever. And I also know that in this state, as I just pointed out, for every Republican, you've got three Democrats. So just based on the numbers, she's probably going to win. That is not, not a reflection of the politician she is. She sucks. Here's uh, Lieutenant Governor Antonio Delgado after the win yesterday. He won too. We have to combat the forces of hate and division by meeting people where they are, not with a top-down politics, but with a bottom-up approach, where our strength is our unity. This requires listening before you speak. It means genuinely engaging with communities all across the state. And it means leading from the heart with love, as Dr. King would say, a strong and demanding love. New York has always led the country in moments like these, from establishing a woman's right to choose, to ensuring women have the right to vote, to founding the NAACP, to recognizing gay marriage, to being at the front lines of the environmental movement and the labor movement, to be in the epicenter of multiculturalism, of what it means to be multi-religious, multi-ethnic, tolerant, and accepting of all difference. This is New York. New York has always been ahead of the national curve, setting the pace. And now more than ever, we need New York to not only set the pace, but to hold the line. Yeah, I know. Uh, right now, Lou Rafino is holding a banana to his head uh, as if it were a gun. Uh, Antonio Delgado at 6.11 in the morning. I appreciate the enthusiasm. It's great. I mean, seriously. 
do us all a favor, okay? Take the win, act like you've been there, and uh, walk off the stage. So it's there deplorable. it is. Get yeah. him out. Well, thank you, Christopher Russo. So there's your one-two punch on the left side, Kathy Hochul and Antonio Delgado. Now, on the right side, of course, I started off by endorsing Lee Zeldin. I stuck with Lee Zeldin for a long time, long time, and only about 10 days ago. I guess, uh, as Bernie pointed out yesterday, the night that Andrew Giuliani went for dinner with me and my gorgeous wife, Danielle, to Michael's Restaurant in Brooklyn, and we sat there for about two and a half hours and talked about strategies and politics and watched the Ranger game. That was it. On that night, I decided I'm going with Andrew. And uh, the last two weeks, we've gotten very, very close. Personally, uh, I joined him on 129th Street on Saturday during his campaigning, and I just I really like what the kid had to say. Now, Bernie brought up a good point yesterday. Sid, if you guys didn't get close personally... Would you still have done this? And the truth is, I don't know. I'm being honest. I don't know. So when you combine the fact that, yes, we got close personally, and B, uh, I love the Giuliani's. I love his father. I love the way they, they deal with the police. And all the issues, he was right on it. And of all the candidates, of all the candidates, Giuliani spent the least time in the mud mudslinging during those three debates, and I found that to be really welcoming. I mean, it took Lee Zeldin all of 30 seconds in that very first debate to uh, describe Harry Wilson as a never-Trumper, and about two minutes before he used the term Rolex Rob. So, and the other two guys, Astorino and Wilson, they duly fought back, and it got ugly at times and, quite frankly, annoying. So I was in the Giuliani camp. He did not win. He came in second, but it wasn't really close. He lost by about 20 points. In fact, as uh, Macedonian Phil pointed out this morning, when you add up, add up all the votes that my guy, Andrew Giuliani, and Bernie's guy, Rob Mastorino, got, they still amount to less than what Lee Zeldin got. That's an easy win. Zeldin won by about 20 points. Again, you add up all the votes. And Giuliani and Astorino combined, forget about Harry Wilson, combined did not get what Lee Zeldin got. So, say what you want about Lee Zeldin, he's a rhino, he's an establishment guy, all the lousy things people say about him, he's the winner. And he won in very impressive fashion, and here he is, the pride of Shirley Long Island war hero Lee Zeldin after the win late last night. As our state's next lieutenant governor says... This isn't just a red wave. This is a, this is a common sense wave. It's a common sense wave that reaches out to everybody across this state, in all counties, in all regions. We're reaching out to all of you to work with us to save New York. This is a rescue mission to save our state, and losing is not an option. And let me be very, very clear about this because me and Bernie were very clear, even when we decided to go with Giuliani and Astorino respectively. We did say, oh, I don't know, a million times, a million, whoever wins will get our enthusiastic endorsement. That's how important this gubernatorial race is. That's how important it is we elect a Republican governor. It's been a long time, right? Got to go back to Governor Pataki during the great Rudy Giuliani days. That's how important... All this is. So, yeah, we may have liked other guys. We've always liked Lee Zeldin. You're not going to hear once during this month of conversation me and or Bernie malign Lee Zeldin. Wilson did that. Astorino did that. Giuliani did very little of that. We never did. We kept saying, hey, listen, we like Lee. We like Lee. But, 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 here's what Giuliani had to say. Here's what Rob had to say. 
So it wasn't like me and Bernie savaged Lee Zeldin on this show. We never did. And we said time and time again, whoever wins will enthusiastically get our endorsement come November. And we mean that. So right now, it's all about Lee Zeldin on Bernie and Sid. It ain't Giuliani. It ain't Astorino. It's all about Lee Zeldin. And guess who feels the same exact way? Andrew Giuliani. Now, he did endorse Lee Zeldin later on in the night. But here was Andrew's concession speech late last night. New York truly is at a crossroads, ladies and gentlemen. We're at a time right now where we lead the country in out-migration. We know that. We all know the problems. And we know the solutions. We need somebody with the guts that's going to be able to turn that around. Somebody who's going to be able to bring crime down. Somebody that's going to give Alvin Bragg that pink slip that he needs on day one of his administration. I guess uh, that someone he was referring to, that's a terrible job and a terrible cut. But I guess that's someone he's referring to. Who cut that, uh, Justin? Uh, I got that from, uh, I actually stole that from the overnight show. Yeah, it sucks. Huh. Uh, he doesn't even mention <laughs> Zeldin's name. So, but he's talking about Zeldin there. You know, while, while, we, while we're on the, uh, the gubernatorial race, he did endorse Lee Zeldin straight up last night. Hopefully this cut is better. This would be uh, cut number 16, Lewis. Andrew Giuliani endorsing Lee Zeldin. Cut number 16, Lou. This was a spirited race. And I want to first and foremost congratulate my three competitors. And I would like to urge, really urge everybody in this room to get behind the next governor of the state of New York, Lee Zeldin. So there you have it, uh, Andrew Giuliani doing exactly what me and Bernie uh, do, uh, what I'm doing this morning, what Bernie will do whenever he gets back, and that is endorse the Republican candidate, and that is, of course, Lee Zeldin. So Zeldin wins, Kathy Hochul wins, and that is just one of a lot of stories we're going to cover today. Again, really good guest list. I've invited the winner, Lee Zeldin, on the show for 7.40 this morning. I've not heard back from Lee yet. Um, I think he'll, he'll get back to me. He, he, got, he certainly reached out to me uh, a ton during the whole campaign, so I'd be surprised if he didn't. So I have invited Lee Zeldin to come on at 7.40 this morning. Already confirmed, though, live from Wimbledon at 7.05, my dear friend Patrick McEnroe. Coming up at 8.40, the great Congressman Peter King. And 9.05, the man running against Chuck Schumer, very impressive candidate, my good buddy Joe Pinion. 1-800-848-WABC. As always, that's the number. 1-800-848-9222. No Bernie, but this is going to be a spectacular Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid with me. Sid. Keep it right here, and we'll come back right after these words. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Here on your New York City Wednesday morning, Patrick McEnroe will be here, Congressman Peter King, candidate Joe Pinion, 
and some maybes include Andrew Giuliani and Lee Zeldin, all coming up on this spectacular morning show, Bernie and Sid, no Bernard today, but uh, I am here. And uh, Macedonian Phil is back today. He, of course, replaced Luke Lograno. Luke uh, still texts me once in a while. I miss that kid, you know. He you're, texts me. you're lying. Well, I don't miss him that much. You're right, fine. <laughs> oh, my God. And he texts me, and it's like, oh, my God, the, there he is again. Now, he texted me something about the Jets yesterday. I don't even know what the hell he was called. I, I don't know, but. Now we got to the truth. Yeah. But he's a good kid. He's, you know, he's fat. He's a good kid. Uh, but, Phil, where'd you go? Did you, did you vacation or something? What'd you do? You put your mic on it. To, he's talking to the mic, and that's how we Well, allegedly, I went to Macedonia. Uh, that's not true. I went to Tennessee. Tennessee? Tennessee. Down south. Well, did you go to Nashville? That's a fun town. No, I went to Gatlinburg, which is like four hours. Oh, my God. What a goyish, a horrible <laughs> place to go. Not even Nashville or Memphis. Oh, yeah, or... no. It's it's some of the ugliest people I've ever seen in my entire life. That just why, why, why did you go there? What was the... Uh, my girlfriend and her family went down there, so I yeah. tagged along. Oh, are they from there? No. Oh, well, they have family down there, but we didn't visit them, so... So I don't understand. You just yeah. uh, you called just your like travel it. agent and said, what's great this time of year? And they said, Gatlinburg, Tennessee? I don't think anyone's ever uh, recommended Gatlinburg. Well, yeah, so, so how do you end up there? I, I don't know. They like it there. They've been there a few times. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's got Dollywood. You know, Dolly Parton's. Oh, is she park. from there? Yeah. She, like, owns, like, half of Gatlinburg. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Did you see Dolly Parton when you were there? No. So what good is it, then? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, you love your girlfriend. You'll do anything for her. Even go to a lousy town in Tennessee. I, it was fun for as lousy as it, uh, <laughs> apparently it is. It was Who's fun. more serious? And we'll get back to the serious stuff here momentarily. But when it comes to the relationship, uh, who's more serious with their quote unquote girlfriends? You and uh, your girl, or or Justin Ellick and his Russian girlfriend? Who's who's closer to getting getting engaged <clears throat> or married? Or yeah. Well, you gave me eighteen months, and that was about I don't know, right? About four or five yeah, months yeah, ago. Yeah, so. yeah, It's becoming increasingly clear to me that or you're, you're, you're nowhere near getting engaged. No. <laughs> I don't have any money. Like she, you know, I mean, you don't she, have any money. She says the same thing. I don't have any money. What do you need money for? Well, you got to buy a ring, and then you got to plan. The, I mean, there there are things you have to. I'm kidding. Trust me, you need money. I mean, and then you know what happens is you meet some of these young girls, and they're very idealistic and don't worry. Mm. I love you so much. We could live in a shack under the bridge, right? And that lasts about uh, six months. You that, know. That's not my uh, girlfriend. No, not she, of course not. <clears throat> no. What about yours? Yours doesn't seem all that bright, to be honest, Phil. I don't know what. Uh... Why would you? Why would you infer? Well, that? I don't know. I, I, just because of me? Yeah. Yes. My girlfriend's smart. Is she? Got, yeah, she's in school right now. She's got a 4.0 GPA. Oh, wow, really? What is yeah. she studying? Uh, animal science. What? Animal <laughs> science. She's trying to be, she's, she works in a zoo right now. She's, That's why she's with Phil. Oh, yeah. take hey. it to the zoo, Rock! <laughs> Remember that? Uh, <laughs> oh, it's like the zoo. Um, oh, that's nice. What zoo? The Bronx Zoo? She, well, she lives like in the middle of nowhere in Jersey, so she, yeah. goes to, uh, she works in the Poconos. Uh-huh. This is some love story. I got to tell you, this is really beautiful. That's riveting. Gatlinburg, going out to the Poconos in Tennessee <laughs> Zoo. Yeah. yeah. Hi, would you guys like some grits this morning? <laughs> Welcome to Tennessee. You look uh, Macedonian. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything even out in Tennessee? Uh, no, no. Listen, no, Nashville's nice. a great town. I'm right. right. Well, well, Memphis is a great town. Tennessee's gorgeous. You know, I. I I often say you know, it's too hot in Florida. I lived there for 16 years, trust me. But you start moving towards, like, North Carolina, Tennessee. First of all, very, very green, very plush. The mountains are gorgeous. You know, out by Asheville in North Carolina, you got the Blue Ridge Mountains. So Tennessee is actually a gorgeous state. Gorgeous. Yeah, that's what we saw. We saw the Smoky Mountains. Oh, that's which, great. That's they're, great. They're nice. They're really nice. Okay. I've never seen mountain like, ranges that big. So Gotcha. That was cool. So did you vote uh, yesterday for anybody or anything in, in the state of New Jersey? Or, no. No. Yeah. Why, why, why not? I'm just... 
Uh, I wasn't here yesterday. Yeah, sure. I, I but let's say let's say twelve you hour car ride back. Let's say you were here. I'm just... Oh no, I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not following uh, New Jersey politics. No, either, no. How, how about New York politics? Well, I, I'm kind of forced into it. You yeah, know? because I, of us. Yes. But you hate that part of the show. No, I I don't hate it. You you rather I just talked about like the Mets and the Yankees and all day, right? You, you... I, I think it's fun when you talk about the Mets and the Yankees. Sure it is. But... Right. Okay. Well, call Chris. stuff is cool. Call Chris Oliveros. See if yeah, he needs help with the fan. Great, good, good for one minute. <laughs> well, the Yankees did win again yesterday. That's Justin Ellick's team. Yeah, they, well, uh, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about uh, in terms of baseball. They, they they win every single day. I mean, I guess the Mets are more of a topic of discussion. What's their their analyst lead is since five, four games? Yeah, they I mean, can't beat Houston. It's down to four games. Here is Justin Ellick's sports update from the he does on the early morning news with Deb Valentine. What are you going to do now? He says the sun will rise today. <laughs> yes. And guess what? The Yankees won, which is actually really funny and true. I mean, every day the Yankees just win. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Well 55 and 20. The, so. the two inevitable facts of, of life yeah. is uh, the sun coming up, uh, Lou holding a banana to his forehead, and uh, you have it. the Yanks winning. Anybody want to hear from this Cassidy Hutchinson? You know, what uh, Deb was making a big deal about this yesterday. I mean, every, all the news was she was this uh, surprise witness. You know, Bernie and I don't really cover January 6th. Because uh, we think it's the most exaggerated, overblown day in the history of the country. We get annoyed even when people like Peter King, who we love desperately and is much smarter than both of us, talk about it like it's a big deal that day. I mean, just stop it already. Just stop it. So we don't really cover this stuff. And, um, then, uh, and, and now we're going to cover it. I mean, I, do you want to hear Cassidy Hutchinson it's, talk about how... It's funny, actually. If, if, if nothing else, the, the, the sound is actually funny. Yeah. She was, she was a former White House aide. This is the blockbuster, unbelievable special witness. No one's even heard of this broad. No one, no one knows about it today, Cassidy Hutchinson. But she did say some funny things to, uh, to Justin's point. Uh, three in particular, uh, all about Donald Trump, or I guess um, he threw his lunch against the wall and he cursed, and I don't know. Here is uh, yesterday's highlights, Cassidy Hutchinson, 18, 19, and 20, just so people can't say we don't cover the big news on Bernie and Sid. Here's 18, Cassidy Hutchinson. I first noticed there was ketchup dripping down the wall, and there was a shattered porcelain plate on the floor. The valet had articulated that the president was extremely angry at the attorney general's AP interview and had thrown his lunch against the wall. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, now she goes on to talk about how Trump said he doesn't give an F uh, if they've got guns, which they don't. And that's part of the, the reason why we get so frustrated with people like Andrew Galbarino, for example, uh, Peter King's replacement out on Long Island, calling what happened January 6th an insurrection. By the definition of the word, that is completely wrong. They did not have guns. But according to Cassidy, Trump didn't care if they did. Here's Hutchinson, number 19. But when we were in the offstage announced tent, I was part of a conversation. I was, in the, I was in the vicinity of a conversation where I overheard the president say something to the effect of, you know, I, I don't effing care that they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me. Take the effing mags away. Let my people in. They can march to the Capitol from here. Let the people in. Take the effing mags away. And finally, uh, Eddie Murphy had two really great, um, I guess, live comedy shows way back when, Raw and Delirious. They were both absolutely brilliant. And at one point, he's talking about Stevie Wonder. He goes, Stevie Wonder was a musical genius. A musical genius is what he said there, by the way. And uh, he said at one point. <laughs> Thanks for translating. Yeah, man, you're welcome. <laughs> and he said, he goes, he made musical genius. But uh, at one point, he goes, if you really want to impress me, Stevie, take the wheel. <laughs> 
which is kind of funny, of course, and you know why. But uh, that's what Hutchinson screamed about yesterday, that Donald Trump literally took the wheel, number 20. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. Now think about this, folks. This was the blockbuster surprise witness. This was going to be the one. This was it, folks. You heard those three cuts. <laughs> Come on. This is one big dog and pony show. We've been over this a million times. All this is is a vehicle to make sure that Donald Trump cannot run in 2024 because the Democrats know no matter who they run, you know, uh, Kamala Harris was on CNN two days ago saying, oh, you betcha, me and uh, Joe Biden were on that ticket in 2024. I mean, you can't make that up. They don't want Trump running. They don't want DeSantis running either. But they don't want Trump running. That's all this is, is one big exercise to make sure President Donald Trump can't run again. There is nothing to it. There was nothing to that day. It was embarrassing. Yes, very embarrassing. Very. And it was a little alarming to see civilians rush the Capitol. I'm the first to say it. But insurrection? Deadly? Yeah, one murder. Ashley Babbitt. Terrible, horrifying, on the same scale as Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Are you effing kidding me? Are you nuts? Where's Mike Francesa? He says it well. He's around there somewhere. Yeah, I know he's here somewhere. Come on, Mike. What are you nuts? Thank you, Mike. There he is. He's always here for us. <laughs> anyway. uh Patrick... put him to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, wake up, Mike. You got to wake him up once in a while. Remember Dog, the, remember what's the... with Hunter Biden's laptop? <laughs> <laughs> remember the great Sweeney Murdy interview when uh, Michael Francesa literally fell asleep? 705, <laughs> Patrick McEnroe, live from Wimbledon, 840. Congressman Peter King, 905, Joe Pinion, and the possibility of both Lee Zeldin and Andrew Giuliani along the way. Traffic and sports coming up next, but right now it's the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the keys to the city, and that is Anthony Weiner's Red Apple Podcast Network. That's his podcast. You can download that and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here, Anthony Weiner talks about police. We would all agree that the police still need to have the right, and it's constitutionally protected, the reasonable belief that if a police officer believes that he or she is observing a crime that is about to happen or someone that is seems likely to be engaged in criminal activity, I don't believe that anyone on the political spectrum believes that the police should never have the right to intercede. That's why we have police officers. But my suggestion is that we have... Complete transparency around the results of this is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. I'm actually stealing my report from Justin Ellick. It was a good point he made this morning. The sun will rise today. The Yankees will win the night before. And they did again. 2-1 to one, the final score over the lowly athletics last night. And it wasn't Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton, the hero last night. It was Marwin Gonzalez with this mammoth home run. High drive. Right center. There it goes. And the Yankees lead 2-0. 
That's Gonzalez's third home run of the year. The call from my good buddy Michael K. Yes, Network. J.P. Sears, another very good spot start for the Yanks. And the Yanks now improve to 55-20. and 20. 35 games over 500 after 75 games. Their lead over the second-place Toronto Blue Jays, 12-and-a-half. They'll play the lowly A's again this afternoon, and it will be Jamison Tyone on the mound for the Yanks. First pitch, 105. The Mets can't beat Houston. Bottom line, they're 0-4 against the Astros so far this season. Houston pummeled the Mets last night, 9-1 to the final score. The Mets are still 19 games over 500. Their lead, though, over the Atlanta Braves inside the NL East is down to just four games. Wimbledon underway in London. In fact, we'll talk to Patrick McEnroe live coming up at 7.05. The shocker yesterday, Serena Williams, one and done, a three-set loss to the, um, well, I guess somebody named uh, Harmony France. Williams has not won a major, by the way, since 2017. This now marks her 13th consecutive major without a win. Sports brought to you by the great Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. Check them out, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. Patrick McEnroe again live from Wimbledon at 7.05 with sports. I'm Sid. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today. 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And another married couple I want to give a commendation to is Sid and Danielle Rosenberg. They, over the weekend, celebrated their 30th anniversary. Now, they both deserve a commendation for this. Danielle deserves an award. She probably deserves a Purple Heart. Do you imagine, first of all, it's difficult to be married to any man. It's difficult to be married to any man that works in radio. Can you imagine what it must be like being married to Sid? Sid has been through hell and back. And he's talked about all these issues, being arrested for drinking and driving, his issues with alcoholism, his issues with gambling, getting fired repeatedly. She stuck by him for 30 years, moving all over the country. I mean, that is a woman that's really impressive. That is a model wife. And by the way, she looks like a model. So Sid, handsome guy, great shape, certainly. He's punching out of his weight class with Danielle, that's for sure. Maybe climbing on rainbows, but baby, here goes. Dreams there for those who sleep. Life is for us to keep. And if you're wondering what this song is leading. Make it 
Kind words there from the overnight host of the sign of midnight, the very, very, very talented. I mean, really talented, Frank Morano. And I'm not, I'm not just saying that on the air. I've had these conversations off the air. You know when, like, you're a, you're a kid and uh, your friends go to you, hey, give us the top five girls. Give us the top five, you know. And I've been asked that question from members here of the staff. Give us your five best hosts at the station, excluding yourself, because everybody with a half a brain knows I'm the best host here. So um, I, I've given that out to a bunch of people here. I will not make it public, but I will say that Frank Morano is, is uh, right there at the top. He's really talented. His show is great, not because he says nice things about me or my beautiful wife, Danielle, but he just is. You know, he's, uh, he can go a variety of directions. To me, that's a, uh, that's a great host. Uh, anybody that can talk enthusiastically and know what they're talking about, about a variety of things, whether it's pop culture, sports, entertainment, politics, that's, uh, those are the guys that I model myself after. I mean, quite frankly, when I when I uh, got into this business and I started to look at guys I wanted to be like, it was the Howard Stearns and the Don Imuses and the Mike and the Mad Dogs and those types of folks. But, you know, Howard Stern, I I, I got to tell you this. So I still love the guy. He He's he's a he's a brilliant radio guy. Anybody who argues Howard Stern's radio ability knows nothing about radio. You know nothing about radio. Don't even bother. OK, he is so far and away the best ever that I can't even think of a close second. I just can't. Not Imus, not Limborn, not not uh, Sean, not uh, Grant. You, you name the list. Me. Uh, not, no one even close. But um, when he talks politics, he sounds stupid. He really does. And, and at times, worse than stupid, Howard Stern sounds hateful. And that's why Bernie hates his guts. Howard Stern. And, of course, there's a long history between Imus and, uh, and Stern. In fact, I was in studio. Lou, you were there that day. The last time... Those two guys spoke. I was just thinking about it. Yeah, Bernie did some uh, some bit, uh, some Jason Williams bit, and I guess he brought up Beth, and, right. uh, and he made some comment about Beth, and I guess uh, somebody made Gary Delabate fa fa fufa. They made him aware of it, and uh, next thing you know, we're, we're uh, back in Astoria in Queens doing the Imus show, and the phone rings, and it's Howard. It's really Gary. Gary goes, hold on a second. Howard wants to talk to you. And the next thing you know, Stern and Imus are on the air together. And Howard's like, don't be talking about my wife. Something like that, you know. Yeah, he goes, hey, I, don't, don't make me get Get my there. wife's name don't, out your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> he didn't I, say that. Just, but Justin was there. Yeah, yeah. He did say something. Like he said, don't. I'll bring up stuff. Right. You don't want me bringing up right, stuff but, about right. you. And your wife's, I guess, Deirdre or before. Or anything. Right. Studio stuff. He knows everything about us. <laughs> yeah, I know he, he knew did. stuff that I never saw. I know he did. And <laughs> uh, so it was, I, but I was sitting there in the, in the the behind the glass with Charles McCord like, oh, my God, this is Stern and Imus together. This is, this is, I didn't care what they said. It was just unbelievable to me, you know. It was finally, it was happening. Yes. It was not that long, too. No, it, it was, was too short. It was too the, short. But Imus yeah. had the last word and we hung up on it i missed it up the last word and then i miss you know went on to do his old you know i don't really hate the guy i mean you, you, the stock goes up every time that mother effort talks and you know that's how i played the whole thing off because stern eventually of course became more popular than don but don didn't care because don was a a money uh, revenue guy and made a ton of money uh, not as much as Howard. No one's made as much as Howard. But uh, Don did pretty well for himself. So Stern talks about politics. He hates Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump was very good to Howard Stern for many years. In fact, I have heard Howard Stern more than once, because I still listen, more than once referring to Donald Trump as the best guest he ever had. 
best guest he ever had. And yet, once Trump won, he started to become vicious and really say things about Donald Trump and, more importantly, Donald Trump's supporters, i.e. Bernard McGurk, Sid Rosenberg, and a lot of our listeners that were really classless and, and gross, wishing death on some of us. And, I mean, not funny, not okay, just gross. And if I allowed the political stuff to really bother me like it does Bernie, regardless of what he says, I'd never listen again. But I, I can't do that. I still watch a Robert De Niro movie. I still like a Barbra Streisand song every now and then. And I still listen to Howard Stern. I don't like what they have to say. I know where they're coming from. Their political agenda and bias uh, really is grotesque. But I can, I can do it. I'm able to separate the two. With some people, not everybody. Like at this point, I despise Eric Adams. I hate his guts. Hate him. So Stern is on the air yesterday, and he's been complaining for days about all these Supreme Court rulings. It has not been a good week for people like Stern and the liberals. First, they overturned Roe versus Wade. Then you had the whole gun thing here in New York, obviously, which pissed them off. And now you got the coach who's able to pray at the 50-yard line, probably getting his job back in the state of Washington after he was unceremoniously fired. So there's three different rulings that have gone against what liberals and people like Howard Stern want, and now they all want the whole Supreme Court impeached. Now, more on AOC said it. We've got Megyn Kelly audio for that. That's great with, uh, with Eric Bowling, where she flat out calls AOC a moron. So Stern is on the air yesterday, and he can only think of one way, one way to fix this whole mess. Now, he's talked about this before. Many years ago, in fact, he was seriously considering running for president, and his running mate, you ready for this, was going to be a guy that had political success. Actually was the governor in the great state of Minnesota, and that is the body, Jesse Ventura. It was going to be a Howard Stern, Jesse Ventura ticket. And I got news for you. They would have gotten some votes. They would have done better than Tom Swazi or Rob Astorino. (laughs) But they never would have come close to winning. So Stern again, again, is talking about running for president. Here he was on his show yesterday, sounding ridiculous. I said to Robin, and I hate to say this, but, but I said to her, I'm actually going to probably have to run for president now. And she goes, I and know. then my wife. I was trying to push him into it earlier. Now yeah. he's reluctantly stepping well, up. Now it's very hard to have a Supreme Court that has openly <laughs> lied. Now you don't mind if I lie to you or Robin lies to you, but when the Supreme Court goes into lying publicly, it really does undermine everything. I am going to do the very simple thing that will set the country straight. One vote, one person, no more of this Electoral College. I'm getting rid of it. He's getting rid of the Electoral College. One vote, one person. He's tired of the Supreme Court lying. The answer to fixing this country, folks, is not Donald Trump. It's not Ron DeSantis. It's Howard Stern. Uh, Lou, would you vote for Howard? you got to tell me the other candidates. Uh, (laughs) Okay, here it is. No, here it is. Is that a bad question? No, it's not. Uh, On the left, you've got Pete Buttigieg. No. On the right, you've got Ron DeSantis, and the independent is Howard Stern. Okay, I have to talk with my people, and I'll get right <laughs> back. That's a, I, that's I, a stacked field. Yeah, that is. That's Yeah, that's a tough one. Tough one. 
What if I what if I it's take out you, what if I take out DeSantis and put in Trump up you, against Stern and put, Buttigieg? Now if you put Astorino in there, see, I'll, never <laughs> give it up. I'll never give up on Rob. Are you uh, all upset about the Astorino loss? Yeah, I'm not surprised, but it's yeah. it's, it's the wrong person. The yeah, wrong but person lot, gets picked. But not everybody works on a radio show where they got five very close minutes with Rob Astorino. Got to see him, you know, really get into the gritty nitty of it all. But they saw him run Westchester. That's all you need to do. Yeah, yeah but did he did a good job. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up in Westchester when he was running it. He you was, actually told me you... you actually told me yesterday that you were leaning towards voting for Astorino because of that. Yeah. But you didn't do it, did you? Well, you, I... you didn't have time yesterday because you know you got you got you got a lot to do. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not registered as either uh, as either a Democrat or a Republican, what so are you? I can't vote. I'm an independent. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there so you have am it. I. Yeah. Oh, so neither one of you could have voted for Astorino anyway. Right. No. So it's all nonsense, really. All you. Well, but I would have if I if I would have. What they call gas bagging. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I was already <laughs> pushed away from a polling place though by for holding up signs. So that's as much as I can right. do. For Is that right? Oh, sure. <laughs> but I will say if, if I had, if I had, if I had ever gotten around to registering or you know really spending the time, yeah. which I don't have, and uh, you know, you uh, time, and if, if I even knew how to do it, I would sure. do it. And so. he's a typical New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, that's it. If I if I even knew where to go to do. That, like, That's why like, the state is like, in do a I mess. Do, it, do I do it online? Do I text somebody? Do I? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's a mess. It's a mess. Alec is hilarious. He can't wait for Bernie to be not here. I mean, Bernie's not here. He's in studio from the very beginning of the show, from the very beginning, and he just turns on his mic. He's, he's been on for about uh, five times already this hour. Never going to happen if Bernard is here. Well, he, he just can't wait. Look at him. He's so Look how happy he is today. Look at that big smile on his face. Do I look that happy? Yeah, you do. He feels like he wants to go look for some Hunter Biden laptop cuts right now. <laughs> <laughs> Feels right. like he's missing out on something. Yeah. Did you miss any? What, well, how many cuts are with today? Twenty. We got twenty-three. Twenty-three. That's, that's a lot of cuts for me. I'm yeah. only going to use about seven or eight. It's a perfect amount of cuts. Right, and, but ordinarily you have about forty-five. Uh, that's a, on a good day. Yeah, right. a good day. <laughs> okay. All right, Patrick McEnroe <laughs> live from Wimbledon coming up at seven o five. Congressman Peter King, he'll be here at eight forty. Joe Pinion, love this guy. If there's a god, he'll beat Chuck Schumer. He probably won't. In fact, he'll probably get killed, to be honest. But he'll be on at 9.05. He's a very impressive guy and a very impressive candidate. And uh, also feelers out there for both Lee Zeldin and Andrew Giuliani. So it promises to be a very exciting three hours on this Wednesday morning right here. Bernie and Sid sans Bernie on Talk Radio 77 WABC. We're doing live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. mentioned somebody and uh, Lou Rufino is so sharp he just there's Barbara Streisand a lot of you are nauseous and you hate me for this I don't care I love her she's great and uh, again much like Howard Stern Robert De Niro and a host of others as long as they're not talking politics Meryl Streep the list goes on and on but boy what a voice I did one of those too not that long ago who are the five greatest female singers of all time I don't know Whitney Houston is up there I know that 
I guess um, you'd have to put Aretha Franklin up there, I guess. Um, maybe uh, Billie Holiday, Barbara Streisand. Beyonce! Beyonce. I mean, you're so stupid. Why would you even say something? Even as a joke, why would you say something like that? I don't know. I think it's funny. Stupid. <laughs> He's very relaxed today. Am I missing? He's so relaxed. Yeah. yeah. Am I missing anybody, uh, Lou? Oh, uh, maybe that talented Bjork. No, please, God, no. <laughs> Probably the worst singer I've ever heard. I think I think I nailed it there. Billie Holiday, Barbara Streisand, Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin. I think those are um, Ross. Diana Ross. Yeah, those are the five, right? Don't you think? Yeah, that's right. Frank's probably right. Yeah, yeah. Diana Ross could be up there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Bernie, I remember when Aretha Franklin died. It was such a great show. Bernard was brilliant. He's always brilliant. But that day in particular, because all he wanted to do was talk about Diana Ross. He's like, well, I mean, Aretha was great, but she's no Diana Ross. And the more I thought about it, Bernie was right. Like, Diana's got a million more hits than Aretha Franklin. A million solo stuff, the Supremes, all that stuff. But then uh, we had to go back on that because people got upset. And... Well, she doesn't have a biopic either. That's true. Not yet. She's still alive, Mutt, you dummy. Right. When she dies, she's going to have one. Well, you can have a biopic if you're still alive. I guess you're right. Diana Ross. Oh, this is perfect. This uh, Tomorrow's the last day of uh, Gate Pride Month. So she's coming out, folks. Oh, this is Upside Down, actually. The same album, right? I'm coming out. All right, folks. That's a great hour of radio right there. Three more to come which include anywhere from three to five big-name guests. Our number two of the Bernie and Sid Show on this Wednesday morning, coming right back after the news and these messages. Boy, you turn me inside out and round, round. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Idaho, as we start the second hour of this, the Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid. No Bernard today, but I got you covered till 10 o'clock. Brian Kilmeade comes your way at 10. A couple of uh, big-name guests stopping by today, like every Wednesday morning. The great Congressman Peter King will be here at 840. One of my favorite candidates for Senator, uh, Joe Pinion. He'll run against Chuck Schumer. He'll be uh, live in studio coming up at 905. And then uh, I've also invited both Lee Zeldin and Andrew Giuliani on the show today. We'll see if they come by. But uh, our next guest is a guy that's been a dear friend of mine for a long time. Uh, just like me, he was a sports guy on IMUS. He did that before I did. He was a, a terrific professional tennis player. And now, including his brother, John, who happened to love, and John won Wimbledon three times, he is the best tennis analyst at ESPN. He's also put on great shows on ESPN Radio here in New York, live from Wimbledon. That's how big this is, is my dear friend, the great Patrick McEnroe. Good morning, Patty Mac. How are you? Sydney, it is great to hear from you, my man. You're doing an unbelievable job, as always. And please, please send my best to the great Bernard McGurk, thinking about him, and I please... 
pass on all my love to him when you get a chance. I will. He loved you, too. And uh, we all became such good friends so many years ago. You may not know this, Patrick, but talking about Bernie, there's a number, another member of the I Miss cast who I know you loved dearly, who's back with us now for about, uh, I don't know, three or four months running the board. Pat McEnroe, say hello to the great Lou Ruffino. <laughs> oh, big Louie back in the house. Patty Nobody Mac. better. Nobody. What's happening, Big Lou? What's up, P-Mac? Nobody better than you. Good, good to hear. Good to hear you. Wow. A lot of great memories with you guys. And um, Sid, you're just you're killing it, man. You're all over it. So I'm happy to be. I'm actually looking as we speak on the courts here at Wimbledon, the outer courts. I've got uh, center court in the distance. A little bit of rain to start here on day three. But of course, the big news last night here in London was uh, Serena Williams going out. It was an unbelievable effort by Serena. You know, she hadn't played a match here, Sid, in, in a match at all in one year when she hurt herself on center court. I think that left a very bad taste in her mouth. So she came back. She wasn't in great physical condition, but she battled hard against a young French player. It went the distance. The match actually took over three hours. Serena eventually losing it in a final set tie break. And in her press conference after the match, Sid, she talked about hopefully uh, getting herself ready to make a run in New York at the U.S. Open. I kind of hope that she she does that, that she plays in New York where she won her first major ever. Of course, she's won 23 now, and I think that would be a great way for her to end her career, you know, to make a run in New York and with all the emotion and all the things she's been through over the years at the U.S. Open. So that's kind of my hope for Serena. Uh, it was great to see her back here, but clearly – not in the type of condition that she would need to be in to make a, a real big run. But she could get there, and I think I'm hoping that this match gives her some motivation to uh, you know, get out in the practice court, play some more practice matches, some tournaments, and see if she can tee it up one more time in New York. You know, she reminds me at this point of Tiger Woods. Now, Tiger, of course, had the car accident, the injuries, but she hasn't had nearly as many injuries as Tiger has had. But he had that unbelievable win in 2019 at the Open, his only win in many, many years. And the truth is, Serena losing yesterday, that's been part of the course. She hasn't won a major since 17 in Australia. She's now lost 13 consecutive major attempts. So at this point, she's becoming Tiger. The difference is Tiger is second to Nicholas, and Serena is still the greatest of all time. But it looks like it's clearly over so uh, yes one more one at the u.s open and i would hope if there's a quick exit after that she says goodbye because she's too good to be losing day one at wimbledon yeah well i think you should also remember though you're right she hasn't won one since 17 but she has been i I believe it's in four finals yes including one here at wimbledon so she was close you're right this uh, this year she wasn't obviously close at all but i think she wanted to see where she was i think she wanted to come and, and play Wimbledon one more time so that she could leave with a better taste in her mouth. It was cool to see her whole family in the player box watching, including Venus, who's won this tournament herself five times, you know, cheering for her. And, you know, Serena had a great attitude after the match in the press conference, said, you know, I did the best that I could today on the day. Uh, but I think you're right. Um, you know, we, we don't like to see the all-time greats really struggle. You know, I remember the days of Willie Mays coming back and, um, you know, Michael Jordan playing for the Wizards. But, you know, in tennis, you're by yourself, Sid. So there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. You can't come in and play 10, 12 minutes, you know, like Michael Jordan did at times for the Wizards. So it's much different in tennis, the individual nature of the sport. Um, so uh, let, let's hope we can see one more good run because I think she has it in her to play well. Whether she can win 
the U.S. Open, you know, that would, to my, in, in my view at this point, be a long shot. Patty, you were really good on CNN yesterday. And, of course, uh, the bigger story, at least around the world, before Serena lost yesterday was Wimbledon's decision to ban Russian and Belarusian players. So if you're from Belarus, you're from Russia, you're not allowed to play. And a lot of folks that have written about this say that's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think you penalize the players for what Vladimir Putin's doing and others. What are your thoughts on the Russian and Belarusian ban at Wimbledon? Well, I, I happen to agree with you, uh, Sid, and I'm guessing on many political issues we may not agree. But on this particular one, uh, on this particular one, I do, and I think you know it's very complicated. I certainly understand the All England Club and the intent of their decision. You know, there's a lot of history between the United Kingdom, Great Britain, and, and Russia. You know, a lot of it which isn't very good. Um, but I do think that in an individual sport like tennis, to ban individual players. Is, is the wrong move to make. And I say, I've said this. I wrote an article on CNN.com about it. Uh, there, no other tennis tournament has done that, Sid. And, and tennis is continuing. None of us agree with what's going on and the, what the Russian government is doing. Clearly, it's horrendous. It's horrific. I mean, they bomb a shopping mall. I mean, it's outrageous what's going on. That being said, um, I would have liked to seen Wimbledon work a little more closely with other federations and other tournaments you know the u.s open is going to happen in a couple of months time and guess what you're going to see at the u.s open said you're going to see russian players yep. you're going to see belarusian players just as we've seen at the french open here in europe in paris just as we've seen at the italian open in tournaments in germany and guess what the world has continued and no and nobody's agreeing with what the russian government is doing so i think the my biggest problem with the club making the decision was that I felt it was more of a unilateral decision by the club, which, of course, they're entitled to do. But you're penalizing individual players like who happens to be the number one ranked player in the world, Daniil Medvedev, uh, and, and countless others that have earned their right to play. Now, I do think that banning teams from Russia and Belarusia uh, in team sports and in, when they're representing their country was the right thing to do. Tennis did that. But didn't I see a lot of Russian players, uh, Sid, playing in the NHL playoffs? Of course. They weren't banned. No, of course. I mean, they even, they no, you got Panarin right here with the Rangers, who, of course, spent some time right. off last year. The whole thought was Putin wanted to kill him. That was crazy. But anyway, you're right. Uh, the individual should be allowed to play. I agree with you as well about the team uh, sports uh, from Russia and from Belarus. But that's where we are. Patrick McEnroe, the great Patrick McEnroe, live in Wimbledon this morning. You've got the Djokovic match coming up at 8. But the guy that is the second favorite at this uh, tournament, Berrettini, he pulled out. He's got COVID. I'm going to be honest with you, Patrick. I had COVID uh, last year. I found out about it, and I still want to work at least one day. I'm being honest, okay? Uh, I can't imagine being the second favorite at Wimbledon, an opportunity to win an event like that. There's no testing. Nobody told him to stay home. I think the guy's nuts. What do you think? Well, I think it's a credit to him, I mean, uh, that, that he made the decision. I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, we're at this time now where people are testing positive, you know, pretty regularly. And luckily, knock on wood, most people are not getting super sick and certainly ending up in the hospital like it was early on. If you remember, I think you had me on very early. I was one of the first people in New York to get it back yep. in March 2020. So yep. I remember what that was all about. I got it a second time in December. I mean, I give Berrettini credit. Another guy, Marin Chilich who was also a guy that has, you know, done some damage here before he also pulled out. So it's, uh, you know, it's almost like the players have to take it upon themselves. And Berrettini was quite sick uh, for a couple of days. I think he thought he had the flu and then he decided to test 
yesterday, which was the day he was supposed to take the court. He won a couple of warm-up tournaments coming in. He was actually the second favorite, actually favored ahead of Nadal yep. in the same half of the draw. So uh, I give him credit for doing it devastating for him and for the tournament because um, he's one of the guys that I think could threaten Nadal for sure and certainly Novak Djokovic, who's a solid favorite. And by the way, uh, Sid, just before I let you go, uh, it will be Novak Djokovic unlikely making his way to New York to play in the U.S. Open. He will not be allowed in the country because wow. he's unvaccinated. Wow, yeah, how so about that? The, how about so that? You, you, you might want to take that up with the U.S. government and see if you can get <laughs> the, use your influence to get that changed because otherwise it will be no Novak in New York. Yeah, I don't want that. I want to see Djokovic here in August, no doubt. Now, Federer, I believe, has won this event more than anybody. I think he's got eight Wimbledon titles. He's not there yep. now recovering from knee surgery, but we just saw Nadal win his 14th, 14th French Open. He's amazing on that surface. He is one of the favorites here. Djokovic now becomes a, a really prohibitive favorite to win this event. Is it going to be that simple? Novak for the win? What do you think? Well, I think there's a you know there's more question marks for Novak because of the fact that he hasn't played a full schedule because he refused to take the vaccine. He's the only player, uh, I believe, in the top hundred uh, that hasn't taken on the men's side that refused to take the vaccine. So he, he's he's kind you know, of like the Kyrie Irving of uh, tennis. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and Aaron Rodgers, right? Right, so, right. Somehow those, those, guys, those guys still get paid somehow. Djokovic, you know, you don't play, you don't get paid in tennis. So a little different. Yeah, he's a favorite, but I think it's not as, um, it's, it's, it's not as routine as it has been. Last year he won this sort of walking away with the title. I mean, I still think he's a favorite, but I think that there's a little bit more of an X factor for Djokovic just because he hasn't played as many matches as he normally would coming into Wimbledon. And the other thing you have to think about, Seth, because now you know, you've got Nadal with 22 majors overall, including this year's Australian Open, right. which was an epic comeback win for him. Last year, they all had 20 after Wimbledon. We thought Djokovic is going to be the guy who end up with 24, 25. Well, now he's stuck on 20. He, so he's got pressure on him to, to, to stay close to Nadal in the overall race. Plus the fact he's probably not going to be able to come to New York to play the U.S. Open. And you think they're going to let him back in Australia next year? They said for someone that gets deported out of the country, he can't come back for five years. Oh, my God. That's the one he's done. That's the tournament he's dominated the most. And, and, And why? All because he refused to take the vaccine. And he's committed to that wow. stance. He remains committed to it today. Amazing. Yeah. He's won eight Australian Opens. And, you know, you look at, uh, and we'll wrap it up with this, Patrick, again, live from Wimbledon. He's got Djokovic coming up in about 45 minutes. You know, Sampras won 14 majors. Uh, Bjorn Borg won 11. Your brother won a bunch. And we saw some great years of tennis, right? The Andre Agassi years and Jimmy Connors and Lendl. But right now, you mentioned it, 20 majors for Djokovic, 20 for Federer, 22 for Nadal. All three of these guys playing at the same exact time. It is this, in fact, the golden age of tennis? No, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's, can you imagine if you know, take one of them out of the equation, how many more each of them have had? And there have been some, look, there have been some good players that have come along the way, but every time you look at some younger guys come up, they can't beat these guys. Uh, the, 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 the guy that comes to mind they, right away is uh, that poor bastard Andy Murray. He may have won a ton. Well, he won three. He's won two Wimbledon. Right. Andy Roddick is the last American man to have won a major. That was the U.S. Open back in 2003. So you've had a lot of players. You know, Leighton Hewitt snuck in a couple before Federer started dominating. So to answer your question, yes, we are still in the golden age of men's tennis, and this will never, ever 
happen again, where you got three guys at this level playing at the same time, all of them in the primes of their careers. Wow. It's just been it's been fascinating to watch, and it's not over yet. Uh, amazing stuff, Patrick. Uh, thank you for taking out uh, of your busy day again. You've got the Djokovic match coming up in 43 minutes, ESPN. Thank you for uh, doing this this morning. You're always magnificent. You're great. I enjoyed this conversation immensely. And uh, make sure you come in and talk some U.S. Open tennis next month, please. Thank you so much. Maybe I'll even get you on my holding court podcast, and we could discuss some politics. How about that? I would love to do that. You know, we always have a respectable <laughs> back and forth. I mean, you and I, again, are really on opposite sides in most issues, but that has never affected our friendship, not even a little. So I would love to do that, yes. Love you, Sid. Thanks for I having me. I love you, too. Thank you, Patrick. You, too. There he is, the great Patrick McEnroe, live from Wimbledon, getting ready for the big Djokovic match. And, um, you know, I forgot to tell him, my daughter Ava is actually moving to England soon. She starts Bristol University in September. I did text him that yesterday. And his quote to me was, A, congratulations, Ava, and B, she's getting out of this country. And uh, not that he doesn't love America. Of course he does. The McEnroe family uh, loves his country. They've, done, they've all done very, very well. But everybody's upset, you know. There are, the Democrats are upset, uh, and obviously the Republicans are upset. Everybody seems upset these days. But the truth is, this is still far and away, even with Biden, this idiot running this country. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. He doesn't run the country, but he's a figurehead. But nevertheless, it's still the greatest country in the world. So Patrick is in Wimbledon this morning. My daughter is moving to England in September. Me, I ain't going anywhere. I am the ugly American, and I like it that way. More of Bernie and Sid right after this. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, watching the dissent over the court rulings on abortion and handgun carry laws, two things are clear. First, the fanatical left does not respect the democratic system the founders set up. And second, if they could, the progressives would support a totalitarian federal government as long as leftists held power. On the right, there is deep disenchantment over liberal policies. That's obvious. But when Roe v. Wade was imposed in 1973 by the Supreme Court, conservatives did not rampage or threaten the court. Yes, there were a few violent loons who damaged abortion clinics, but nothing like we are seeing now from the far left. It's important to understand two things. One, that some progressives will try to actually hurt you if you believe opposite from them. And second, some very powerful media people and corporate people will harm those with whom they disagree. Hollywood is a template for that. It's extremely difficult for outwardly pro-life people or even Trump supporters to find work in the entertainment industry. Most studio chieftains and high-profile agents are doctrinaire liberals. They wouldn't hold their positions if they weren't. The current situation in show business is worse than the McCarthyism of the 1950s. Finally, the president of the United States is apparently fine with the totalitarian left. Did you hear Joe Biden specifically condemn demonstrations in front of the homes of the justices? No. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on.
The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. We've only just begun to live White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our way We've only begun the Bunch of folks chiming in Left Karen Carpenter off that list of great female artists. Lynn Hart, for example, my friend, my friend Kelly. Well, how do I say her whole last name here? She's from that icebox restaurant in the Bronx. Kelly Baumeister, I'll call her. I think her last name is DeDramo. Either way, Karen Carpenter, that's an excellent call. I know, Lou, you thought about that one, too, right after. Yeah, I, I think I was too busy having breakfast, so I kind of forgot. <laughs> right. you see what I did there? What about Cheryl Crow? She didn't eat, so that's uh, that's actually oh, very, very That's good. not nice. Yeah, she Shh, did, did die of, um, what do you call that disease? Anorexia. Um, anorexia. I'm tanorexic. She was anorexic, yes. Who did you just say? You? Cheryl Crow? Cheryl, I mean, what's the matter with you? I love Cheryl Crow. Oh, so do I, but we're talking about the all-time great. She's not even in the top 50. Oh, even. she's in the you top gotta, 50. No, she's not. you got to stay out of these conversations. I'm begging you. <laughs> Please, I'm begging you. I mean, just, there are certain things you should talk The Yankees, you're fine. Uh, I mean, great with that, to be honest. Russian but women, you're fine. You're Russian women, great. But please, I mean, Cheryl Crow. <laughs> oh, my God. Not Sorry, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 65 years old. Uh, that's fine. That's, that, that's oh, I, be, be, I and young people are stupid because you have no reference. I'm not bald. Yeah, well, right. that'll, that'll yeah. come to well, it. We're don't... just going to throw out personal attacks. Young, okay, no, no, well. it's, no, it's true. It's not a per- I tell my daughter the same thing, and I love her to death. You people are dumb because you, no, you, no, you have no references. You you're not you know you know I, I I say things to Philip because I wasn't born then. Well, what does that mean? I can tell you about the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers. I was born in '67. You got to do some homework. You have to learn stuff. So when you say Cheryl Crow, you sound stupid. That but happened, I love you. Don't get me wrong. That happened in '95. I wasn't born yet. There you go, Ella Fitzgerald. What about her? Uh, you know um, who she is, Justin? Yes. Yeah, I actually do. Yeah, who is she? I don't know, but it sounds familiar. <laughs> She's right below Cheryl Crow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheryl, yeah. Nobody's like Cheryl. Hey, you know who's got a, who had Jeez. a great voice? She's Oof. dead now, is uh, Dolores. Um, um, oh, not again with her. Not Catania. The, the one from. Um, the, from the so, Cranberries. Oh, Reardon. Yes. I'm going to tattoo why, why, it. Why do you get mad when I'm, you don't, you don't, you don't think she's all that good? Because she's Irish, and then you would naturally put an O there. Right. You just keep going, Reardon. Re, re, I don't Reardon. know. I just know where is Dolores. You, you, don't, yes. you don't think she was great? I thought she was. No I, no one is like that Karen Carpenter. I should have thought of her. Is she number one on the Lou Rafino list? Yeah. Because, wow. Because I, I nobody can, sounds like her. Nobody does, no. In no. fact, we should all morning long, because you know, she died on this date. No. no. No, I made that up. I, yeah. 
<laughs> See, that's how. Don't even argue with him. See, look how. At least I'm not a liar. But at least I'm not a liar. Right. Right. Just keep playing her music all morning long, okay? okay. All right, I guarantee right. you that John and Margot Katsimatidis love Karen Carpenter. I promise you that. Yeah. They got a great taste in music, and she she may be the best of all time. You may be right. John loves good music. Yes, he does. You, you want to want to mention any more? It's a quick segment, so no, more. I don't. Cheryl Crow uh, you was told great. me to stop talking. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> give me another one. It's a quick segment. Please give me another. One. I don't have any. Give it to you. Nobody else. No, I want to go home. What about Natalie Merchant? I've never heard of her. <laughs> Is that what he true? <laughs> yeah. You never heard of Ten Thousand Maniacs? What about Patty Scalpa? Who? Is that her name? Bruce Springsteen's wife. Scalfa. Patty Scalfa? Scalfa. It's got worse. I know. If you would have gone with Patty Smythe, I I, I actually loathe Patty Scalfa. Patty Smythe, I think, talking about Patrick McEnroe, was married to uh, John McEnroe. Are they still? Patty Smythe. Yeah, I think so. The one from Scandal. I believe so. Mm. Because he was with uh, Tatum O'Neill, and that went bad. And now he's with uh, Patty Smythe. That would be a long time, man. Yeah, it, it, it is a long time, but I think they're still together. You cannot be serious! <laughs> yeah. Well, you know who's still together is, I believe, Billy Baldwin. Well, he used to be family with, but he's a dick. Billy Baldwin and uh, China Phillips. I think they're still together. From Wilson and Phillips, you know, China, the, uh, the yeah. skinny blonde chicks. Yeah, I know which one. Yeah, all right. Ernie okay. and Sid in the Morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Justin Ellick, the best of all time, Cheryl Crow, with her big hit. I'm going to love this song, Leaving Las Vegas, at 740 on your gorgeous, sun-splashed Wednesday morning in New York City. Highs today expected to hit about 84 degrees. Well, it's closer to 90 by the weekend. Some rain on Saturday and Sunday, and then nice weather, I think, next week for the July 4th week. I will not be here, but um, somebody will. That's all I can tell you. Uh, we got Peter King coming up at 840, Joe Pinion 905, and I did send out invites to both Lee Zeldin and Andrew Giuliani. Neither has gotten back to me yet so far this morning. Lee Zeldin, of course, winning easily yesterday. In fact, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll hear from Lee Zeldin coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, when you add up the amount of votes that Giuliani and Astorino got, they don't even equal what Zeldin got yesterday. An easy win. Easy win for Zeldin. Hochul even easier. Hochul just destroyed Williams and Swazi. I guess a bit of a surprise, Swazi coming in behind Jamani Williams, coming in third. And the uh, really, I think, the bad news for Republicans is when you add up all the votes, all the votes that uh, Lee Zeldin, Andrew Giuliani, and Rob Astorino got, 
you still fall more than 100,000 short of Kathy Hochul, which shows you that uh, it's a Democrat state and Democrats go vote. So uh, not a great day yesterday if, um, if you're a fan of a Republican outside of Zeldin and if you really have designs on Zeldin winning come November. But I got to get to Eric Adams. You guys know that I was the first to really uh, hate this guy. <laughs> hate is a strong word, but I was the first to tell you he was no good. Uh, Bernie was not there initially. He wasn't. Now he is. But he was like, well, you got to give him a chance. He's better than the Blasio. All that nonsense everybody else was saying. And, uh, you know, Greg Kelly was there, too, because Greg, of course, uh, that, that whole deal dates back to Eric Adams and his father, the great Ray Kelly, when he was police commissioner. But I was really the one, and Curtis Lee, of course, too. But Curtis, uh, that is uh, mano a mano. He ran against him for mayor. And so that's uh, that's a deal there. So personal for Greg Kelly, personal for Curtis Sliwa, not personal for me. In fact, I will tell you that when Eric Adams was Brooklyn Borough president a couple of years ago, he loved me and Bernie, loved us. He was on quite a bit, especially early in the COVID days. And he would go around town telling everybody, I'm, I'm good friends with Sid and Bernie. That's my show. But as soon as he ran for mayor, I can see the phony liar that he is. Looking to appease both sides, not caring about anybody but himself. It was clearly evident early on. And now even folks like Michael Goodwin, who I respect a great deal, New York Post writer, has, has come along too. I mean, I don't know anybody at this point. There are still some people giving the over. you got to give him more time, which is stupid. You know, he's like six months in. Give me enough, enough of that. And there are still some of these. Well, at least he's better than de Blasio. What does that mean? De Blasio is the worst ever. As I said time and time again to Bernard, he has to be significantly better than de Blasio just to save a portion of this city, and he's not. In fact, he may be worse. Right? He, he does work longer hours, and he, he does dress nicer and seem to care, but let's be honest. Statistically, ain't nothing going right in this city. Nothing. And he's fighting with people he should turn to for help. Again, talking about Michael Goodwin, he makes his point in today's New York Post. By the way, Mike, it's a point that I've made and Bernie has made a thousand times on this show. Who does uh, Michael Goodwin listen to? I know that we had that whole little deal with Michael a couple of weeks ago when Alec texted him circa 6 o'clock in the morning and Katsimatidis and Chad got pissed off. By the way, he was on Katz's show later on that same exact day. I don't know if you know that. Mike's been on the show a couple of times, but... Of course, uh, the person we turn to at the Post is Miranda Devine, who's a close personal friend of mine. Actually wrote one of the five blurbs for my book coming out August 6th, Citizens United, which you can buy right now at Amazon.com. So we're closer with Miranda than Michael. But Mike's been on the show a bit, and we like Michael Goodwin on this show. But, um, you know, he, uh, he doesn't always get it right. Are you still in trouble for that, uh, that episode that morning? <laughs> no. Is everything's okay? I don't get in trouble, really. You don't really get in trouble, right? No. 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 Everything I do, most things I do here at uh, at the workplace are um yeah. are the right thing. That's true. No, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know. So they don't hold it against you when you F up. Yeah, my uh, slip ups are very few and far far I, between. I have to be honest, I still don't know what you did wrong that day. I did, I don't think I did anything. I've wrong. been on radio for twenty something years. I wasn't uh, aware of this protocol. I've I call people at four thirty in the morning. I can tell you right now, look at my phone. I sent out text to Andrew Giuliani, Miranda Devine, and Lee Zeldin at four forty AM. If you don't like it, suck it. Being, I don't sh- care. being shy in my position would not serve me Correct, well. correct. You, so. you have to be very aggressive because if you don't get these guests, you know, the host yell at you and the boss yells at you. Right. So you have to be aggressive. And, and I got news for you. Most people have the phones off. 
If your phone is on and it's next to you and it wakes you up that quick, go back to bed and shut up. Well, that's why you call, because a text isn't going to get the job done. A text right. is usually just a chime, no, I'm and with then you're right back to sleep. I, I want the aggressive producer. I thought you did the right thing. There is no protocol. Call him after six and right. nonsense. Well, that's, anyway. That's all that matters, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he hasn't come on for a while. But, but never do it again. <laughs> but don't ever do it again, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you'll be in big trouble. Yeah. So he writes today that Eric Adams, instead of fighting with Rudy Giuliani, should uh, talk to Rudy Giuliani. They should you know, you know, get his advice, you know. Uh, welcome to the party, Michael. I mean, geez. Did you hear Kennedy got assassinated? I'm just curious. Uh, we've been saying that for months on this show. But you have to remember that Eric Adams actually said... And this is one of the things that really made me dislike Eric, really did, uh, during his campaign that when he becomes mayor of this city, he wants New York to return to the David Dinkins days. David Dinkins days? Are you nuts? That was a disaster. You had blacks and Jews killing each other in the streets. It was a disaster. All David Dinkins cared about was his headboard and, and, and his tennis tickets, talking about Patrick McEnroe and Wimbledon. My God. I don't want to go back to the Rudy Giuliani things. Those were racist tactics. Listen, <laughs> call them what you want, whether it was broken windows or stop and frisk. You know what they were? Effective, douchefaced. Effective. So instead, you got crime rising in the city. You want to run for president one day. I know you do. I know you do. Whether you said it, somebody else said it, I know you do. You've got your sight set on bigger and better things, but you suck as a mayor. How are you going to get there? How are you going to get there? Stop telling us what's every, every white journalist is a racist these days. Sid Rosenberg, he must be racist because he, he disagrees with me. He's already taken two shots at the white journalist. Two. Two. And Giuliani's tactics were racist. No, they weren't. They were effective. So now Rudy, who's got enough to, to worry about today, his son lost last night. He's probably very upset. So what Rudy is at, uh, what is it, the, the shop right or the stop and shop? Where is he on Staten Island on, on Sunday? Shoprite. It was a shop right, yeah. yeah. And some guy walks, and look, I agree the, the reports were, and I said it to Bernie right on the air, so I'm not, you can, you can go back and listen. I said on the air to Bernard, that was hardly an attack. Let's calm down. Just like I said when Brett Kavanaugh, that was hardly attempted murder. The guy called the cops on himself. I mean, give me a, yes, he showed up with a gun. Yes, he crossed state lines, and maybe his intent was to do it, but he didn't do it. He didn't come close to doing it. And this was hardly an attack, but what did I say? Don't touch anybody. Don't touch them. Don't put a finger on him. That's coming from me, Mr. Deadfinger himself. Don't touch anybody. So in that respect, Rudy is right. But were the reports exaggerated? Yeah, I mean, Rudy, I could have fallen down. I could have killed my baby. I could come down. So Eric Adams, again, according to Michael Goodwin today and me and Bernie a thousand times, blowing an opportunity to talk to Rudy, who figured out how to combat crime in this city, because Rudy took over. It was worse Maybe not worse, but certainly as bad as it is now. And he figured it out, right? I mean, why wouldn't you talk to somebody who got it done? So what does Eric Adams do again? Now he's, he's, he's bashing Rudy Giuliani again. First, his tactics were racist. And now he wants Rudy Giuliani like arrested, investigated and arrested for this whole slapping incident at uh, ShopRite. In fact, uh, here is this idiot mayor talking about that just yesterday. When you look at the video, the, the guy basically walked by and, and, and patted him on the back. I don't know if he said congratulations. I don't know what he said to him. But it was clear that he was not punched in the head. It was clear that it didn't feel like a bullet. It was clear that he wasn't about to fall to the ground. Falsely reporting a crime is a crime. Yeah, that's true. But first of all, nothing's clear, you moron. He's 78 years old. You're a much younger guy. 
Now, again, I'm the first to say, and I said it two days ago, the reports were a bit exaggerated, but he's 78 years old. You don't know exactly how Rudy felt. And, again, don't touch anybody. Would you like that, Eric? If I walked up to you, well, not me, because you probably hate me at this point, but if some stranger, well, by the way, uh, Eric, you, you should also know it wasn't just the physicality there. That guy was also yelling obscenities at Rudy Giuliani. Would you like that if somebody was yelling obscenities at you and just touched you? You'd hate it. So this hard-on that Adams has for Giuliani, he's clearly jealous because Rudy Giuliani is the greatest mayor in the history of this city, and no one can argue that. Nobody. And Eric Adams is failing miserably. Clearly, Eric Adams is jealous. Because I got to think again, if somebody's yelling obscenities at Eric Adams and walks up and just touches him, he's going to go nuts. I would. Forget about being 78 years old. That's what happened, Eric. That's the whole story. Not just the physicality part. Eric leaves that out. But thank God we've got Rudy Giuliani on these airwaves every day at 3 o'clock to tell the truth whether it's about the 2020 election or Eric Adams. And here's our Rudy Giuliani fired back yesterday. You should shut your mouth and do your job. And you should stop going to fancy parties before you're entitled to go to them. You are a lousy mayor, Adams. I mean, perfect. Perfect. Shut your mouth. You're a lousy mayor. And that comes from the greatest mayor in the history of this city. And he's right. Go do your job, Eric Adams. Get something done, something positive. We're begging you, begging you. Not that long ago, me and Bernie were fans of yours. But as I often say, it may look like a dive of chocolate, but it's duty. And you can't keep trying to convince people you're doing a good job when you're doing a shizzle job. And you can lie to people and they'll believe you. That's fine. I mean, I still see the approval ratings. They're not nearly as bad as they should be. Not nearly as bad. So there's enough folks out there that they like you, you know, whatever it is. You're a former cop, a crappy cop, by the way, a horrible cop, a cop that caused trouble more than arrests for 20-plus years. Bernie Carrick hated you. Hated you. So did most other officers. But you were a cop, so they give you credit for that. And you're black, you get credit for that. You know, there's a checklist. You know how that goes. But you suck as a mayor. And leave Rudy Giuliani alone before I kick your ass. You want to talk about Rudy just getting tapped at at, uh, ShopRite? I will kick your ass, Eric Adams. We'll take a short break. Back after this. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. You've got to accent. The positive evening, my neighbor negative. Latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr. In Between. Yeah, that's right. You you mess with Rudy Giuliani. Got to go through me first, Adams. Eric Adams. My God, what a joke. (sighs) Oh, yeah. Corey Zelnick and uh, Seinfeld and all these people. We're doing great. Eric Adams runs the city. Kathy Hochul, a step closer to running the state. I mean, I hope to God Lee Zeldin wins, but he's not going to. And, uh, well, I guess 2022 will take back the House and the Senate. That's good. And uh, 2024 will get back Pennsylvania Avenue. That'll be good. But uh, right now, man, it is, it's, it's bad. It's bad. And you got the worst people possible 
in charge. I mean, the absolute worst. The worst. You know, I, I, loved it. I lived in this city for six years, folks. You know, a lot of the folks that work here at this station, they don't live in the city. They don't. They live in suburbs, and, you know, Louie lives in Rockaway for a long time. Bernard's lived on Long Island forever. Justin's out at Chappaqua. They don't live here. Phil's out in New Jersey. I lived here. First thing I did when I got the job at WABC, thanks to the great Chad Lopez, back in 2016, I said to Danielle, we're going to live in the city. I'm working at Madison Square Garden. We're going to live in the city. I lived here before. I lived in Chelsea right before the, uh, not even before. I lived in Chelsea during the 9-11 attacks, and then I moved from Chelsea to Battery Park after that. But it was about a three-year stay in the city. Then I moved to Tenafly, New Jersey. But coming back in 2016, I wanted to be in the city. You know why? Because when you're walking around the city, you make observations that are great for radio. This is our city. And a lot of folks, I've been over this before, love to hear those types of things. I know some of you, you get annoyed because you love Bernie. You just want to stick with the politics and all that. But the overwhelming majority of folks that make this show so popular like to hear about the everyday stuff going on in this city, which I do. And I thought the best way to come back would be to move to Manhattan. And we did it. Me, Danielle, and the kids. We spent nearly two years down by Wall Street and four years on the Upper West Side. And it was a horror show. It was horrible. Horrible. Paid this exorbitant rent. And uh, right outside my door in both places, nice neighborhoods, by the way, down uh, by uh, Hanover Square, but right by Wall Street, right by the South Street Seaport. Nice neighborhood. A block away from the worst people you've ever met in your life. And the Upper West Side, 104th and West End, you go to Broadway, not in that block in particular. You've got Serafina and some other nice places. But you're eight blocks away from 96th and Broadway, which is one of the most disgusting blocks in New York City. It stinks. It's dirty. It's filthy. It's filled with a bunch of homeless people. It's crime-ridden. It's terrible. And that's where I lived for the better part of six years until I finally got the hell out. I've got friends who live on the Upper East Side, and they still think it's great. Uh, that's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's, it's not great, folks. The subway is still very scary. I take it every day. I'm going to take it today. Every day, I walk eight blocks down to Grand Central. I take the shuttle over to Times Square, and then I take the two or three express from Times Square down to Wall Street to catch the ferry. And every day, I see something that I have to imagine if I didn't live here, if I was here from Iowa or Nebraska or Tennessee, I'd be like, oh, my God, how do people live like this? Every day, every day. Chambers Street, my God, what I see there, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. And I take the express. If you take the one train and stop at every one of those spots, Houston Street, Christopher Street, Franklin, it is, it's, 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 it's like the bar scene from Star Wars. It's a freak show. This whole city has become one freak show. As it is the ferry every day home, I mean, I don't think there's any normal people left. There's not. We are encouraging people in this city to be, A, lazy, B, criminals, and C, freaks. The freaker you are, the more we love you. You're, you're great. We don't want that white, buttoned-up, suit-and-tie, jacket type of guy like Sid. That We don't want that guy. No, no. I, I mean, I, I stop at some of these train stops every day. I can't believe what I'm looking at. And who's in charge? Eric Adams. And he's worried that Rudy Giuliani, who was the best ever, that Rudy Giuliani's upset because some guy cursed him out and touched him. Don't touch anybody. He's a thousand percent right, Rudy. 
So that's uh, my soapbox for Eric Adams for the day. We've got a lot more to cover. Two or three great guests still to come. Last night's results from both the Republicans and the Democrats. It'll be Lee Zeldin versus the favorite, big favorite, Kathy Hochul, come November. All those dead people, thanks to Joe Biden, in a, in a truck in uh, San Antonio. And Paul Pelosi, what's really going on there? Plus, somebody very famous who's threatening us <laughs> with running for president. Only halfway through the Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid. More of me after Deb with the news. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wednesday morning, back here on Bernie and Sid, the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show anywhere in New York City and the country, quite frankly. Bernie is off today. He may be back tomorrow. And then, of course, uh, after Friday, the show is off anyway. And we'll be back on Monday the 11th. So uh, we're going to give you a couple of uh, great shows. Today's been great already. A couple of big-name guests still about to stop by. Congressman Peter King will be here. Joe Pinion, I really like him. He's going to be here. Lydia Reports and also maybe Lee Zeldin and or Andrew Giuliani. We'll see. But Lee Zeldin is the winner. Uh, he did beat my guy Giuliani and Bernie's guy Astorino, and he beat them handily. That's a fact. Uh, the truth is, again, if you add up all the votes that Giuliani and Astorino got, Add up all their votes, they amount to less than what Lee Zeldin got. So that was a resounding win. I think Zeldin ended up with 44% of the vote and Giuliani 24%. Astorino, not even competitive. Not even competitive. I think he was at 17%, and I think Harry Wilson somewhere around 14%. Uh, Hochul wins even bigger. <laughs> I mean, she just destroyed the competition. The shock there was that uh, who came in second? Jumani Williams. Jumani Williams. Uh, he came in second. And uh, Tom Swazi, he came in third. Give me one second here. Uh, Giuliani's uh, texting me. So he's uh, gracious enough to come on after defeat. 
He may even call in right now. He was up until 5 o'clock in the morning. And he's not a candidate anymore, so the five-minute wall has to go away, right? I mean, he lost. Uh, That's what I would think. Yeah, I would think so, too. But uh, at any rate, uh, Zeldin gets the win on the right. Hochul gets the win on the left. It'll be Zeldin versus Hochul. And uh, Kathy will be the overwhelming favorite, even though she is a horrendous governor, as bad a governor as Eric Adams is a mayor. And corrupt as can possibly be with her husband's Buffalo Bills uh, concession stadium deal. The guy doing her office being a big-time donor. Her lieutenant being uh, Lieutenant Governor Benjamin being arrested. She's as corrupt and bad as it gets. But she won. So we're going to hear from Lee Zeldin and then Kathy Hochul and then speak to Andrew Giuliani, who came in second last night on the right side. First, here he is, Lee Zeldin. As our state's next lieutenant governor says, this isn't just a red wave. This is a, this is a common sense wave. It's a common sense wave that reaches out to everybody across this state, in all counties, in all regions. We're reaching out to all of you to work with us to save New York. This is a rescue mission to save our state, and losing is not an option. Well, I agree. Losing is not an option. And as we promised, Bernie and Sid, whoever wins, and again, I wanted Giuliani, Bernie wanted Rob, we will enthusiastically support that guy. So Lee Zeldin now becomes our guy. Here's uh, Hochul after her 50-point win over Jermani Williams last night. It has been the highest honor of my life to serve as your governor for the past 10 months. And what a 10 months it's been. Horrible. Right from the start. Our kids were heading back to school as you're seeing an increase, a surge in Delta. And on top of it, hurricanes immediately struck. People lost their lives in their homes. And the cost of living kept going up and up and up. Workers, small businesses, and families were dealing with excruciating stress and financial challenges. They left, yeah. And the crime and violence. Even worse. so many lives. Yeah, worse. And most shockingly, my own hometown of Buffalo, New York. Sure. We lost some of my neighbors. The dump. It's hard to still comprehend that. Yeah. As well as the day-to-day victims of gun violence in our streets and cities all across this state. I got it. Yet we faced all those challenges. Yeah. We faced all those challenges. Sure did. And you know what? What? We persevered. We failed. And we prevail. You know why? Prevail, you know why? Failed. Because what? we're New Yorkers yeah. and we get things done. That's right. That's what New Yorkers do. Yeah. I mean, she's so stupid. It's, it's insulting. My God. Anyway, there it is. Zeldin versus Hochul. We all know, of course, that I endorsed Andrew Giuliani, who again came in second place. Certainly no embarrassment there. First really major run at any office. And to come in second place in the gubernatorial race in New York is actually pretty damn good. So here he is. He's exhausted. He's up till five, but gracious enough to come on this morning. My friend, Andrew Giuliani. Uh, Andrew, good morning. I know you must be tired. I'm sorry. Oh, well, Sid, it's great to be on with you guys as always. You know, obviously, I was hoping this was a victory call today, but I have to tell you, I'm so proud of our team, the hard work that they put in traversing the state over the last 13 months. Uh, And I called Congressman Zeldin around 1030 last night, congratulate him on a tough race. You know, as I called Congressman Zeldin uh, before I entered the race, I told him, I said, look, Lee, you and I, we're going to be working together for the next 50 years to be fighting for this state, if God willing. Uh, the next couple of months, we might we might have a few uh, bruises and scars, maybe like a little brotherly fight over here. <laughs> um, but, but whenever the people choose who their nominee is, I'm going to make sure that I back them. And as I told Congressman Zeldin last night, 
uh, I'm looking forward to backing him, and I'm looking forward to making him the 58th governor of the state of New York. Did he seem uh, pretty gracious? Because you, you said all along that you would enthusiastically endorse anybody who won if it wasn't you. Uh, and there were some some barbs. Now, to your credit, one of the reasons why I thought you were the most impressive, besides your policies, were you were the you got involved the least. I mean, Wilson and Astorino, they kept beating him up all day long, and vice versa. Did he seem gracious uh, with the call? Yes, he was very gracious. You know, I told them, I said, look, uh, I would love to to start making sure that we get everybody on the same page here, so we're pushing in the same direction. I said, if you give me about five minutes, I'll get on, I'll make my speech, and I'll make sure. That I make it very clear that, hey, look, even though this was a tough fight amongst amongst friends over here that, that at times got very heated, uh, I, I want to let anybody know who voted for Andrew Giuliani that we need to elect Lee Zeldin as the next governor of the state of New York. We need to make sure that – I mean, just think about what you played there in those two clips uh, and think about what another four years of Kathy Hochul would be oh like. Uh, I'm looking right now at my daughter, Grace, and I think about the future of the state, Sid. And uh, I, I can't think about a future of the state if Kathy Hochul uh, is elected on November 8th. That's why we need Lee Zeldin to win this thing. Couldn't agree more. And uh, my kids, older than your lovely daughter, Grace, and your beautiful wife, by the way, uh, Gabe, 13, Ava about to move to England. She's 18. But I couldn't agree more. He's got to got to win. But when you look back at uh, this race, Andrew, you know, you were the kid. You had no experience. You were basically running on your father's name. You know, who the hell are you? And here you come. You, you come in second place. Uh, which is a pretty good, pretty good run there for a, a guy in his very first real race. So you look back at this as a great experience that you did pretty well, and now this is just the beginning of a long political career for Andrew Giuliani? Well, you know, look, uh, as I started this, Sid, I, I always said, what can I do to help my state? What, what, is, what is the next thing? What can I do to help my country? I had the honor of working four years for President Trump in the White House. It truly was an incredible honor. And uh, look, uh, people, this is not the last that people have heard from me. We'll put it that way. I think the next thing for me is, is to spend a couple days here with my daughter, Grace. And as I told the congressman last night, I said, whatever I can do publicly, whatever I can do privately over the next four and a half months, let me know because we need to make sure we are working to save this state. We need to make sure that red wave that we know is going to happen nationally comes into New York. But Sid, you know, I got to tell you, uh, as I looked at my wife, as I looked at my daughter last night, as I looked at all the people that were in that room that were supporting us, uh, I was just so proud of the work over the last 13 and a half months. You know, we were outspent something like 17 to 1. I don't know the exact numbers, but over 15 to 1. And for everybody to put that work in to, you know, get to the point where we were on Election Day Eve, where, where things looked really close like that, um, I think it, by, it bodes very well for, uh, for whatever the next step is. Were you, though, and this is uh, where, Andrew, you got to be really honest with me, and you and I have gotten very close. I think you will be. Uh, seeing you on Saturday, the day of my anniversary, talking to you every day, Sunday, yeah. Monday, I really got the feeling, I really got the feeling that you thought you were going to win. And I even heard some pundits say yesterday morning early on that the difference between Zeldin and Giuliani was like two points. It was anybody's race. And, again, I commend you on coming in second, but the truth is it was a pretty easy win for Lee Zeldin. So when you look at the numbers, was there a time there where before you were appreciative of everybody's support that you got a little down or not really? Yeah, no, look, we, we had it going into yesterday within the margin of error. We had this thing so neck and neck, so narrow, Sid, that really it was going to come down to 
who got their vote out better. And that's where you have to give Congressman Zeldin the credit. That's where you have to give the state party credit. And I think that was probably where running as the outsider was the toughest thing. Remember, when you have something about like 57 or 58 of of the counties that are supporting you, you already have that built-in group. And especially when you think about the counties of Suffolk, the counties of Nassau, and the counties of Erie County, which actually those are the top three vote-getters, not just in this primary, but in the last primary as well. Uh, It's a major uphill battle if you don't have those. Congressman Zeldin was able to build that support, and I think that's why probably if you look at the difference, and I haven't broken down the numbers this closely, but if you look at the difference, probably the biggest win totals in his vote uh, were probably in those three counties right there, and you know you got to tip, tip your hat to him. He had those sewed up by April of last year uh, before we even got in the race, and uh, you know his strategy certainly worked. What was the first thing your father said to you? You know, he said he said that he was proud. He said that he was really proud to, to look and to look into his eyes. Obviously, that's never uh, you never want to be walking up to the stage to give that concession speech. You want to be the one getting the victory speech. Um, but to look at him, to, to see that and sit as we've talked about before, you know, in life, we're always trying to make either our parents or our children proud. And I'm looking at my daughter right now. She's got a big smile on her face. <laughs> Thinking about my father, yeah. uh, it, it was it was great. I, obviously, as uh, I'm a big believer in that there are, there are no moral victories, um, but uh, I have to tell you, it was. Uh, I'm proud of my team, so I can see that. I, I know all the work that people put in to make sure we petitioned to get on the ballot to have people have a say on June 28th over who their nominee was. Uh, I know all the work that we put in just last summer going around the state, 62 counties in 31 days. Sid, New York is a beautiful state, but is a big state. The amount of effort and manpower it took, the amount of volunteers that came out and volunteered their own hours, uh, truly amazing. And so uh, to me, uh, you know, while obviously last night was bitter, uh, there was a bitter sweetness about it just because I saw the beginning of a movement. Oh, absolutely. And you should be very proud of yourself. I, I will tell you this, throughout your run, uh, even though you didn't win, and I really did want you to win, uh, this friendship was forged along the way. And that means a lot to me because I really, really do think you're a tremendous person and will be a great politician here very, very quickly. Uh, one last thing, though, about your father, this uh, mayor, who I can't stand, as you know. I really despise yeah. this guy. He comes out. He wants your father investigated. He wants him arrested for the stuff that happened at that supermarket on Staten Island on Sunday. Any thoughts for the mayor? Oh, I mean, the, the mayor, how about actually reducing crime? I mean, here's the thing about my father. I think a lot of people don't know, right? He is 78 years old, as much of a fighter and as tough as he is right there. He's got arthritis in his back. So, you know, he's in a lot of pain. And we had him on the campaign trail, you know, working as hard uh, as a 36-year-old guy and myself where we were doing 20-hour days. And toward the end, I kept telling him, I said, hey, look, you know, why don't you take that last one off? And, and he would say, hell with that. Give me, give me two more events. And so we had him going and going and going. Uh, so, look, when he does get hit in the back, the guy feels it right there. But to his credit, he was out there the next probably 20 minutes later throwing a first pitch in Staten Island. I just think the mayor should probably not take six months to realize that crime is a problem in New York. Uh, we need to do something about this and, and get it done, mayor. I think about the old uh, Dave Dinkins headline, Get it, do something, Dave. Right. Well, 
I remember that headline, too. Do something, Dave. Do something, Eric. Well, listen, Andrew, uh, New York is proud of you. I'm really proud of you. I thought it was a great run. Uh, I enjoyed the whole process. I look forward uh, to what you're going to do next. And, again, as I said just moments ago, a huge, huge political career is uh, right around the corner for you. So thank you for hopping on so graciously this morning. And, again, congratulations on an excellent campaign and a very, very good run. Thank you, buddy. Sid, to you and Danielle, happy belated 30th anniversary. And let's go get in the same direction here. Let's pull to make Congressman Zeldin the next governor of the state of New York. There he is, the great Andrew Giuliani, very gracious and uh, saying exactly what he should be saying. And he's right. Let's all get behind Congressman Lee Zeldin, because whether you love Zeldin or not, it doesn't matter. Kathy Hochul cannot win. That is the bottom line. She cannot win. So if you don't love Lee Zeldin this morning, here's my advice. Find a way to love them quickly. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Sid, uh, did you see just how excited the mainstream media pundits were yesterday? It was they were like kids on Christmas Christmas morning hearing that woman, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, testify. It was very reminiscent, her her testimony of, of Amber Heard. I just kind of find it remarkable that two years later, this girl comes out of the woodwork. You know, she's only 25 years old, yeah. which means she was 23 at the time all of this happened, yet they called her a senior advisor. How the hell is a 23-year-old a senior advisor at the White House? She wasn't, and she lied all day yesterday. She lied about Donald Trump trying to grab the wheel. You can bet your very last dollar, Lydia Serrano, he never did that. Maybe he did throw his lunch against the wall. I don't know, but... I mean, you know, when your number one witness, when your star witness is somebody that no one has ever heard of, including our own mother, uh, you in for a long day. <laughs> well, Cass, like like you said, Cassidy said that while in the beast, that's what the that's what they called the car Trump rode in. That the that you know Trump tried to grab the steering wheel to go to the Capitol Stop. to be with his supporters to storm. So I, I looked at the beast. I saw a diagram of it. The driver is physically separated from the occupants. It's kind of like a limo, but not as long. So it's physically impossible. There's an actual physical barrier between the occupant and the driver. So right there, she's it's a flat out lie. That's why we talked to Professor Dershowitz yesterday on Cats at Night. And I was saying, well, she's saying this and that. It's hearsay. Wouldn't be admissible in court. He goes, no, her whole testimony, regardless of it, wouldn't be admissible in court because she's not being cross-examined. And she's not even technically a witness. She's an actress. Somebody that just goes on a soliloquy. You know, you're an actor. This is just well. an act. <laughs> I mean, we... We, we we don't know. So I also spoke to Rudy yesterday, Rudy Giuliani, and he said nobody knows who she is. Um, and Trump released a statement writing after he kind of did some investigating to find out who this woman is. He said that her biggest job was making sure we had Diet Coke in the kitchen. <laughs> and on at least two occasions, right. she brought in Diet Pepsi, right. a total failure. That would be like uh, Phil. And I love Phil. Don't get me wrong. He's our call screener. And Phil has a very important job. A lot of these sports stats that I give out in the morning come from Phil. He's actually a really smart. He's almost like Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. But that would be like Phil writing my autobiography. I mean, what, 
I mean, you know what that's I'm like saying? Phil. That's I mean, like Phil saying, "Oh, I was with John Katzmatidis and this and that and never." Right. I mean, she clearly had never been even in the car. So I want you to take a listen. Just just how obsessed and psychotic these pundits are. These uh, political analysts. Take a listen to this woman. She is a so-called Republican strategist. She was on CNN yesterday. Listen to this. I, I think. It has not been good for the former president. I think we've we've made a case that he was responsible for uh, 9/11. He uh, or, or January 6th. What? He should not have been uh, pushing the the election uh, lies. Oh my God, 9/11. They're obsessed. <laughs> yeah. they were... uh, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, they're obsessed. They're obsessed. They're trying so badly, Sid, to I, indict no, listen, him for I, I, this, so we, he doesn't run again. As we speak right now, Willie Geist who is one of the most biased, agenda-driven jack-offs in the history of television. His father was a pretty good guy. He's on MSNBC talking to Raskin, who's also a jerk. And it reads, aid enraged Trump trying to force his way to the Capitol. And, you know, of course, I, I've got uh, CNN and Fox News and MSNBC on all morning long while I'm doing the show. I can't hear it, but I watch it out of the corner of my left eye. And that's all they've done all morning long, as if this Cassidy Hutchinson testimony really was a big deal. She lied all morning long. Anybody knows that. It was a joke. The secret agents themselves say are saying they're willing to testify yes. under oath that she's lying, that it's not even true. So how is nobody mentioning that? Nobody except for us, WABC Radio. I mean, we're the only. I mean, well, Fox, nobody's Fox, Fox mentioning News. that. Fox News yes, mentioned yes. it, and, and Newsmax, and Newsmax, right, of course, right. and but, New York Post. But, but like, but, but, my uh, God, uh, that's like a big thing. The guys that yeah. she's like, it's like if I said, "Oh, Sid said this, and Sid this, that," and then they confront you and they say, "Okay." Sid, we're going to put you under oath that if you're lying, you could go to jail. And you're like, I'm willing to tell you the truth. I'm not, I don't want to go to jail. Lydia's lying. So, I mean, the fact that these secret agents are willing to testify that she's lying, because if they find out that he, they're lying, they could go to jail. She's a freaking liar. Hey, Lydia, she's, look, let's take it crazy. a step further. Not only did Cassidy Hutchinson lie yesterday. But even on a much bigger note, okay, just yesterday, Bernie and I played this, Bernie specifically. Uh, for years now, Joe Biden has said, I did nothing when it came to my son's dealings. Not only did I do nothing, but I knew nothing about it. And we played, and so did Jesse Waters last night, we played the actual phone conversation. I mean, it wasn't doctored. It was a real phone conversation where Joe Biden says to his son, and I quote, I think you're clear. So there's a lie right there from the president. Forget about Cassidy Hutchinson. Joe Biden has lied time and time again about Hunter Biden's dealings and what he stood to gain from that. That's all they do is lie, but they don't talk about it. They talk about Donald Trump. You know, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. So I'm listening to this woman's testimony. And then I, I'm like, are, do they have any corroboration? As a journalist, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to confirm anything somebody says. The fact that they didn't even confirm her testimony with these secret agents that she's mentioning. And this is how what I think. You know how they said, well, we had to. So first of all, they even had that hearing yesterday. They were supposed to have it in two weeks, but they, they put it up two weeks earlier because they said she feared for her safety. I don't think that's true. So obviously, you know what it you know what it was. They were like, oh, my God, with this abortion ruling. Right. 
with Roe v. Wade overturned, we we can really energize our base. Yes. We can really really fan the flames. Let's let's uh, strike while the iron is hot. Well, two let's I, have I, this I, hearing I, now. I, I think it's two things. I think that's the major and right part. before the primaries. Uh, right, and also July fourth is coming up, and a lot of folks just disappear and pay no attention. So I think you've nailed the bigger reason why. But all three of those things play a part of this very strategic move by the Democrats yes. to do what they did yesterday. This is a con on the American people. Do they really think people are this stupid, though? That's my question. They just put it. You know, I kind of feel sorry for this girl, Cassidy. I can guarantee you five to ten years from now, she might be doing porn or she'll be on an MSNBC. I don't know which one or on OnlyFans or whatever, because like they have completely damaged this woman because now she her lies, her story. It's completely coming apart. I mean, the, the vehicle that she says Trump tried to go for the steering wheel it I'll, I'll put it on my twitter it's physically impossible for anybody in the back seat to go after the steering wheel it's impossible then i was reading another article that said trump wasn't even in the beast that limo after the <laughs> route he was actually uh, in an suv so i mean her story is completely exaggerated fabricated and she needs to go back to getting diet cokes and call it a day not just that but they're also contending that donald trump knew his supporters were heavily armed and they the, weren't armed correct that's why when people call it an insurrection it is uh, just by definition it's factually untrue because no one goes to an insurrection without a gun. And there was nobody there with a gun except for the cops who murdered Ashley Babbitt. So they're saying, A, he tried to take over the steering wheel. And as you pointed out very well, it's physically impossible to do that, even if he was in the car. And B, he let his armed folks in. Nobody had a gun. Nobody. Well, you're, you, there were weapons. Those those people in black that put out the pipe bombs. We still don't know who they were. Antifa. Remember that video? Yeah, that's Antifa. The, the, that's right. George yeah, Soros who did people. That? Yeah, George yeah, Soros who did people. That? Who sure. did that? Those are the only people that came to the Capitol that weren't police officers that were armed with some sort of weapons. And we know we don't I don't think they were Trump supporters. I think they were plants. Correct. So, I mean, this whole narrative, everything is falling apart on them because they're so desperate. They're freaking out that Trump's going to win in 2024. Now, that's agree. what this is all about. Not, it's not, not about 2020. It's about 2024. Can right. you imagine if this was all true? Why wouldn't this woman have come forward two years ago? Oh, come on. It's nonsensical. It doesn't make any sense. They're trying to do this to, because of the abortion issue. They're trying to divide the country even further right before the primaries. It's a constant lie. They're just lying to us over and over again. I'm so it, it makes me sick. Now they're hoping to get Mark Meadows to uh, testify next. But, uh, yeah, it's one big uh, ball of lies, one big dog and pony show. And, uh, again, any rational American would admit it it certainly was an embarrassing day. It was embarrassing, yes, but that's as far as I'll go. To say it was horrific, it was terrible, to ever put it in the same sentence as 9-11 or Pearl Harbor, uh, that's really disgusting. It really is. So I'll give you embarrassing. I would end it right there, but that doesn't stop these folks from going on and on and on. And you're right. There's only one reason they're doing it, to stop Donald Trump from running again, and they're going to fall miserably short. That is a great report, Lydia Serrani. Great. Thank you. And uh, just another, did you see about Kourtney Kardashian's husband, Travis Barker? Is he dying? Well, I was reading about it, and he apparently has a, a disease called suicide disease. Not that he wants to commit suicide. He has such severe pain. He has some sort of uh, nerve that goes to his jaw that causes him such severe pain. It's mm. very rare yeah. that you want to commit suicide. That well, you, it feels you know, like you know, electroshock you know, therapy. You know, you know who had something very similar to that was Kurt Cobain. 
but his was in his stomach, not in his jaw, and he eventually did kill himself. He obviously shot himself, but he had that wow, same chronic pain. That. Yeah, same chronic pain in his stomach, same type of disease, and he did kill himself. So th- th- this is a very serious thing then for uh, uh, Barker. Right, so the pain, can that, that whole uh, syndrome that he has can be brought on by some sort of facial trauma. And remember, he almost died in that plane crash. Yes. So it looks like ever since then he's been suffering uh, but this is serious. I mean, it's really scary, chronic pain, what it does to some people. And, you know, there's really, they, they might have to do surgery. It comes from, like, the bottom of his brain, the brain stem. But it's really scary. I know people are, oh, the Kardashian curse, you know. He, as soon as he marries a Kardashian. But it looks like he'd been suffering for, from this kind of chronic uh, pain for a while. Wow. But, um it's wow. sad. It's really sad. That is yeah. kind of, I mean, so I'm there's, not, some, there's a, a little. I'm not a big fan of his, and he looks like a scumbag. But uh, God, God, God no, bless him, and I no. hope he, I hope he feels better. What do you do? Okay. Well, that's uh, tonight. <laughs> cats at night. Five. I know, right? We'll pray for everybody. They're not in chronic pain. I, I can't even imagine. Um, five o'clock. Cats at night. John Katzmatidis. You don't want to miss it. Where we stand for truth, justice in the American way. And by the way, John Katzmatidis is trying to save America with gas prices. He's got some kind of deal going on with uh, Canada possibly to bring more oil into the United States. He talked about it last night. I mean, I, I this see people are going to get start getting annoyed with me, said, and they might get annoyed with you. But it's such an honor to work for that man, to sit alongside him. And I straight up asked him, I said, John, inflation doesn't affect you, okay? Gas prices don't affect you. Why are you working so tirelessly all day, all night? You're literally up trying to figure out how to solve these problems. He goes, because I love America. It's true. And the guy says it with tears in his eyes. No, he's sincere. He's sincere. Him and his wife are both lovely people, beautiful people. I feel the same way. I basically signed a lifetime contract at this point. I mean, I'm never leaving, uh, and that's a fact. So I love him, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, he's on TV almost every day now. Maria Bartiromo, Fox Business. I see him on Fox News. He's really the perfect guy to talk to, and he's got a huge heart. So as you do, thank you very much. Lydia Serrano. Thank you. Cats at night. Yes. Five o'clock. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Such a feeling's coming over me. There is wonder in most everything I see. Not a cloud in the sky, got the sun in my eyes, and I won't be surprised if it's a dream. Everything I want the world to be is now coming true, especially for me. And the reason is clear, it's because you are here, you're the nearest thing to heaven that I Oh, come on. If Karen Carpenter doesn't put you in a good mood, even though she died in horrible fashion, I don't know who could. We had this discussion earlier in the show, the greatest female voice of all time, Karen Carpenter, the Carpenters. And we've already played We've Only Just Begun in Top of the World. She really was magnificent. My God. All right. We've had uh, two great guests already today. Patrick McEnroe, I thought, was terrific live from Wimbledon. And a very gracious Andrew Giuliani joined us at the top of the hour. He finished second to Lee Zeldin. Peter King, 
has been endorsing Lee Zeldin since day one. Unlike me, he stuck with Lee Zeldin. Peter is a, a former congressman and, in my opinion, and Bernard, the greatest politician in the history of New York, right there with Rudy Giuliani. And he's a magnificent guest on this show every Wednesday, as well as, well as Cats at Night a couple times a week. Here he is, our dear friend uh, Peter King. Peter, welcome back. How are you, buddy? I actually said I'm doing great. Great to be with you. Hope Bernie is back soon. And uh, no, it was, you're right. It was a big victory for Lee Zeldin last night. I was at his headquarters, which actually was at the National Republican headquarters. He used that as his, his base for the election. Uh, Lee was great. I thought he was very magnanimous from the uh, stage. He uh, said he had spoken to Andrew Giuliani. He congratulated Andrew on running a great race. He also congratulated Rob Astorino. And I think the party is united. And I know before you were concerned that the overall Democratic vote uh, uh, it was larger than the Republican vote in the primary. Much. You know, yeah, but that's to be expected. The Democrats have the big edge. But so what Republicans have to do is have a united Republican vote, then go for the independent voters. That's the swing vote. If they can cut into the uh, or get a significant number of independent voters and peel away some of the hardcore uh, Democrats, get more conservative Democrats, get more moderate Democrats, that, you know, that's that's the key to victory, and it can be done. It really can. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I think Lee has a great chance this year. I think Republican Party throughout uh, New York State is going to do well. And uh, you can't underestimate the power of a red wave, and also the power of a United Party. And uh, think of all the Democrats that didn't vote in yesterday's primary, and in, in, independent voters can't vote at all in the primary. And that's where Lee has to make his effort, which I think he will. And I think that his uh, campaign, based on law and order, support for the cops, support for middle-income, blue-collar families, it's, it's a winning ticket. And Kathy Hochul has shown nothing so far. So I think, uh, for instance, just take Tom Suarez. He got 12, 13 percent of the vote. But again, they would be more moderate to conservative Democrats. If those 12 percent go over to Lee Zeldin, that, that's a big difference. The independent voters who couldn't vote at all yesterday, if uh, you know, Lee can get 60 percent of them. And I, I don't see why not. I don't know why independent voters are going to stick with the Democrats this year. If their vote can go either way, it'll go to a Republican. So we have to stay united. We have to work as one and really uh, all out effort. We can have a very good victory on November 8th. Well, listen, I hope you're right. From your mouth to God's ears, Peter, you're much smarter than I am, much smarter. So, again, I hope you're right. By the way, Swazi came in last. Jamani Williams even got more votes than Tom Swazi. And, again, the ominous number I talked about this morning is if you add up all the votes that Lee Zeldin, Andrew Giuliani, and Rob Mastorino got, it's still over 100,000 less. That's a lot than Kathy Hochul. But maybe you're right. Maybe the independents step up and all these other folks, and Lee gets the win. We both know he needs the win. That is for sure. Did you hear Andrew on this show? At 8 o'clock, he sounded very gracious in defeat. Yeah, well, he has you know, really made a name for himself uh, in this race. He conducted himself well. He showed he's really you know, ready for the big leagues. And uh, so I think, I think and hope that Andrew Giuliani is going to be around you know, for quite a while. He really showed a dynamism. He, he was articulate. He was knowledgeable. I mean, everything you want in a candidate. And uh, I always kid that he's a better candidate than his father was. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you may be right. Hey, how about talking about his father? Uh, and I know that you're not nearly as down on this guy as I am. And now Bernie, Eric Adams, to come out and say, I want Woody Giuliani investigated, if not arrested and punished, for the claims he made at that supermarket on Sunday. I mean, if you're Eric Adams, don't you have much bigger fish to fry than continue to show your jealousy for Rudy Giuliani? Yeah, well, not only that, he should be sitting down with Rudy Giuliani to find out what worked, how right. Rudy was able 
turn the city around back in 1993, 1994, 1995. I mean, in those days, you had over 2 million illegal guns in the city. The city was collapsing all around, as you said before, you had the uh, Jewish community and the African American community fighting in the streets. There were riots. Uh, it was uh, again. It was you know, the city was dead. People thought there was no hope for New York. It was a dying city. Rudy came in, didn't complain, just got the job done. And that's uh, Eric Adams would be very very smart to sit down with Rudy, put it, you know, put aside the personality differences, and also stop to talk about. Uh, the bad old days, how terrible it was when Giuliani was the mayor. Well, when Rudy Giuliani was the mayor, again, crime, uh, serious crime, murders were reduced by 70, 80 percent. And the, the biggest beneficiaries of that were the people in the inner city communities, the African-American community, the Hispanic community. They were the ones who were the worst victims, the worst victims of crime, of violent crime in the city. So you think of all of the thousands and thousands of African-American lives, of Hispanic lives that Rudy Giuliani saved. That's what Eric be finding about listen he doesn't have to like the guy they don't have to like each other but if they if eric adams cares about the city and i hope that he does he should put again put the past behind them sit in a closed room with the door closed the door locked nobody else there and find out what rudy did and what rudy's advice is because it worked last week i uh, brought this gentleman bob corcinelli on the show running against andrew garbarino garbarino of course is the man that replaced you when you decided to leave after your Hall of Fame four-decade career. And, uh, you know, you, you can tell that me and Bernie are not huge friends, uh, fans of Andrew, even though we respect your opinion and we love you to death. We're not huge fans. And, you know, he was accused of putting the word insurrection on his website. We'll get to January 6th in a moment. And uh, sure enough, he did. And he was on with me and Bernie. And he said, quote, Peter, okay, fine, I'll take it down. That is not the answer you're looking for. The answer is why would you put that there in the first place? So even though we came on, which was very nice and somewhat courageous, we don't think he did a very good job when he had the opportunity. I know you heard it. What did you think of Garbarino on this show last week? I thought he did very well. And, you know, you're focusing on this one word, insurrection. The fact is, as Rich Lowry said the other day, Donald Trump's conduct on January 6th is indefensible. Nobody can defend January 6th, and nobody can defend what Donald Trump I, did. No, 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 no. It depends. Look, again, I was critical. I fought with Bernie for weeks. Right. Uh, but so his his reaction time was slow. But wait a second. Yeah. They're, they're saying he started the riot. They're saying he grabbed the wheel. They're saying he allowed uh, multiple people in that had guns. I mean, yes, he was somewhat responsible for his slow reaction time, but that's not what they're talking about on January 6th. They're talking about a variety of things that are ridiculous. Yeah, but that has nothing to do with Andrew Garbarino. The word insurrection, whether or not he should use that word or not, is really irrelevant. The fact is there have been people charged with seditious conspiracy. Sedition is treason. So the fact is no one's saying Donald Trump himself was part of an insurrection. What we are saying is that he failed terribly in allowing two, three hours to go by. Listen, his own, go back and read what Sean Hannity was saying, what Laura Ingram was saying, what Ivanka Trump was saying. They were begging him to take action. And how a president of the United States could sit there for two and a half to three hours watching people ransacking the Capitol. That, to me, was a disgraceful moment by those people attacking it. And why the president, he saw us to answer why he did nothing. Listen, he said, again, as Rich Lowry pointed out the other day, Donald Trump said that was a great moment for America I know. when they attacked the Capitol that way. Yeah. So, no, he was not guilty of an insurrection. He was, no, he was not guilty of any. What he was guilty of was failure to act. And that is, if you're the president of the United States, you take an oath to defend the, the Constitution of the United States and defend the country against all enemies. Enemies were attacking the Capitol that day. But Listen, I supported Donald Trump. I thought he was an outstanding president. What he did with MS-13, with ISIS, with NATO, with all of the country, the fact that Russia never attacked. But on January 6th, 
again, we cannot be defending anything that was done on January 6th that day. And the president, no, he was not. He, there's no way he knew what was going to happen. I don't believe any of that. But once it happens, he didn't step forward. And that's really it. So to focus on one word and ignore the fact that during the summer of 2020, when there were riots, when every media operation was uh, basically blasting the cops, Andrew Garbarino was visiting the police precincts. He was speaking at Back to Blue rallies. He was endorsed by every police organization on Long Island. That's the guy who was there when he counted. Wow, I, know, I never heard you this fired up. You really love that guy. What was he, like the godfather of your child or something? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Peter. <laughs> uh, let's take Trump out of the equation. This yeah, lady, sure. Cassidy Hutchinson, is there any doubt in your mind that she lied yesterday? Because there's no doubt in mine. Let me tell you, I did deal with her quite a bit. And for the people to say they didn't know who she was, she was the top person in the White House with Mark uh, Meadows, who was chief of staff. I spoke with her day after day during the, uh, May and June and July of 2020. She was the go-between as far as getting uh, emergency COVID equipment in, into Nassau County. Wow. Laura Curran would tell me what was needed. I would call Mark Meadows, who would have me speak with uh, Cassidy Hutchinson. So what happened yesterday? Listen, this is the big failing by the Democrats. They put a witness on who was not subject to cross-examination. And I've been in, and you've seen it, whether it's in the courtroom or whether it's in Congress, you have a witness come on, they can sound perfect. But then this cross-examination comes up and it reveals, you know, what's wrong with the testimony, the contradictions. So I honestly don't know all that went on. That's, they're going to have to prove their case. They're going to have to get corroborating witnesses in. But I'm not going to uh, say she's lying. I, again, I, I thought that for my dealings with her, she was very good to deal with. Okay. She always kept a word with me. Okay. But what's happened uh, with her and Mark Meadows and what's going on at the White House, I honestly don't know. And I don't think the Democrats should put her on unless they have corroborating witnesses they can bring, you know, bring on to back up what she says. Now, see, what you say in a much classier way because you're a politician and you just like that. I'm saying she lied. So that's that. Well, uh, I'm saying <laughs> my dealings with her, she was always straight and honest. That's yeah. well, but I you said the same thing about you always like Kathy Hochul, too, for a while there. How'd that go? No, you, but again, for President Trump to say that she got the iced tea at the White House, no, she was a, she was a major player. Right. Mark, Mark Meadows ran the White House, and she and she was the top person in Mark Meadows' office. Did that he, I know. He, but again, yeah. what went on? Why why she waited this long to testify? Why this was held back? I honestly don't know. And that's why the Democrats have failed. Here's where they have failed in not having fair and honest hearings. Every witness should be cross-examined. Every witness, Republicans should be allowed to bring their own witnesses on. Republicans should have been able to bring in Secret Service agents yep. to say what happened, what didn't happen. Yep. Instead, we're getting this one-sided show. So in many ways, they are taking January 6th and making it worse by the way they're handling this. I could not agree more. Here's another uh, story that you and I both agreed on. I covered it yesterday. It really made me happy. And you sent it out on your social media yesterday too, Peter. And that is another Supreme Court ruling. And it's not gone well for the left uh, the last couple of weeks. Roe versus Wade disaster, the gun issue here in New York, not exactly what the Democrats wanted to hear. Now you add to that this coach who was unceremoniously fired in the state of Washington for doing nothing. The guy needs at the 50-yard line after the game, for the most part alone, and then for a little bit of time with his players and prayed. That's all he did. And now the Supreme Court says, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Let the guy pray. I thought that was a great win yesterday. So did you. Yeah, I certainly it was a common-sense decision. I wouldn't care what religion the guy was. I don't care if he's an atheist. The fact is, if he's not allowed to express 
its opinion on the field after a game. My God, how it was so worried about people's sensitivities being hurt. They're saying, well, other kids who may didn't, you know, maybe didn't belong to his religion, they would have felt bad. You know, we can't spend the rest of our lives worrying about everybody's feelings. I mean, for God's sakes, this, I mean, you know, the First Amendment is freedom of religion. It's also freedom of speech. We have uh, you know, the Constitution, again, protects freedom of religion, freedom of speech. Both of them are there. That doesn't mean that uh, uh, just that. It's not freedom from religion, it's freedom of religion, and which means you're allowed to practice religion any way you want. If you want to kneel down, listen, nobody complained when Colin Kaepernick, I mean, no one on the left complained right. when Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee against the United States, against the police, and that was considered fine. This poor guy kneels down to say a prayer of thanks after a game, and suddenly he's fired from his job. Now, this is, it was insane. Thank God the Supreme Court is bringing some common sense back to what's happening. Uh, Clarence Thomas actually made the same exact point you just made, which is, what about when they kneeled to the national anthem? And that does bring up all uh, the last point here, uh, Megan Kelly going off on AOC, called her a moron on Eric Polling show last night because she's talking about impeaching people like Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. I agree with Megan Kelly. What about you? Oh, absolutely. First of all, they are three great judges. I mean, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh. My daughter actually went to law school with Amy Coney Barrett, a brilliant woman, brilliant person. No, listen, you, to me it's even wrong for senators to be implying when they ask a question that they want a judge to say how they're going to vote. That, to me, would be misconduct. That would be wrong. And they did. They did respect the precedent of uh, Roe versus Wade. You can respect it and still overrule it. It doesn't mean you're bound by it forever. I mean, uh, precedents are always being changed. And as uh, Amy Coney Barry said in her testimony, this is not a super president. A super president is one where nobody questions it. Once the decision comes down, it's accepted. For the last 50 years, we've had people questioning uh, Roe versus Wade, changes being made to it, modifications being made to it. And this was the final overruling. Whether you agree or disagree, it was certainly very – first, I agree with it. But it was a very rational ruling. It was within the scope of what a judge is supposed to do. And for years, everyone, you know, the liberals, they loved the Supreme Court. When it was Earl Warren who was the chief judge and everything like that, then it was great. Now we have conservative judges, and they want to pack the court. They want to change the court. So they really are, are hypocrites. And again, none of this would be happening if Donald Trump had not been able to appoint the judges he did. Agreed. I got to tell you, you're great every Wednesday with me and Bernie, and you're really great with Cats, too. This today was one of your best performances ever. Thank you, John. Yeah. And I'll be on with Cats tonight. I'm, uh, again, I love doing that show with John. And as Lydia said before, there, well, there's a guy who's a true, yeah. true patriot. You know, you and I talk a lot about it, but he puts his money on the line, his time on the line. And I don't know how many emails they get at 3 o'clock in the morning from John Caspertini. <laughs> yes. you know, he thinks of something, you know. He, no, he does. You're right. That, 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 that's like he's up so early doing that. I get those, too. But you are great. Seriously, this was a great appearance today. We will talk again in two weeks. We're off next week, but thank you so much for your contribution. We love you, Peter. Great job today. Thank you. You're the best, Sid. Thank you. Thank you. You too. The great Peter King. What a great appearance that was, huh? Man, he came. he's on fire today, Peter King. Got to take a short break. I see my buddy Joe Pinion in the newsroom. I love this guy, too. Oh, if there's a guy, he'll kick Chuck Schumer's ass. And we'll also play Beat Sid and a host of other things. Keep it right here. The fourth and final hour of this great Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid about to come your way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Met at work. This is a great song as we start the fourth and final hour. And uh, thank you for all the uh, really, really nice texts I'm getting today. People uh, enjoying the show. I appreciate that. And uh, my guests have been terrific, from Peter King to Andrew Giuliani to Patrick McEnroe. Some uh, good conversation back and forth. No Bernie today, but the other guys have stepped up in a very, very big way. And I've got a guy sitting to my left who I've really grown to love. I mean that I met him uh, two years ago when I filled in and worked a full week around Thanksgiving at Newsmax. And I think we did one show together. I think we did. In fact, if I remember correctly, it was that show we had this lady on from Minnesota. She wouldn't shut the F up. And uh, you and I couldn't get a word in. And she eventually, like, like they, 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 the show just ended. She was still talking. We couldn't even say goodbye. He's, he was a monster talent at Newsmax. And now he's running against Chuck Schumer. And I mean this. Uh, he's one of the smartest, really one of the smartest, well-spoken, and uh, nicest guys I know. And that is Joe Pena. And Joe, every time you're on my Twitter, at Sid Rosenberg, they go nuts for you. It's like Tom Jones. They're throwing underwear and bras at their radio. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, look, it's always good to be here, my friend. And look, I feel like I am freshly out of purgatory. Uh, the governor's primary is over. Yeah. Uh, we get to stop answering questions about that. Lee Zeldin is the standard bearer. Uh, t- tip my hat to all those who ran. Andrew was on this morning. I told him uh, via text. I haven't actually connected with him yet, but... We are a stronger state because of what he did, a stronger party. Uh, As he said in his speech, the best is yet to come. I think that starts this year and beyond. So excited about that, excited about catching up with him soon. But uh, we have a united Republican ticket ready to save our state. I'm all in. Lee Zeldin's all in. We're ready to get to work. You were with uh, Lee Zeldin actually last night. You make your rounds. You were in Rockaway uh, last week with Paul King. I love Paul King. And one of my dearest friends, Tom Sullivan, uh, in your race coming up against Chuck Schumer. So you did the governor's stuff last night. Talk to me about January 6th. I just went back and forth with Pete King about the word insurrection and that Cassidy Hutchinson, uh, you know, disaster yesterday. What are your thoughts on John 6th? It's, it's difficult to talk about it without feeling enraged about what's happening to our democracy. Let, let's whatever you think about what happened on January 6th, it was driven by the fact that the politics of this nation had overheated to such a level uh, that people took leave of their senses, used the flag of this nation to break glass at the people's house. That is not something from which you should try to discover what actually happened through more politics. Democrats have effectively said they want to use politics to discover why the politics of this nation finally became undone. Uh, That is contrary to all logic. So for me, that is the purpose that governments have. We have a Department of Justice to ensure uh, that we remove the politics 
from the actual investigation into matters of such grave consequence. Democrats aren't concerned about what happened on January 6th. They're apparently more concerned about leveraging January 6th to hold on to power. Couldn't all, uh, couldn't agree, agree more, I should say. Joe Pinion, tell me about the uh, most recent criticism, AOC, one of many, Liz Warren, others of the Supreme Court justices. Now, three different decisions that didn't go their way, two on the national level, one here in New York with the guns. What about the, uh, the latest criticism of the Supreme Court? Look, let's be very clear. Democrats' solution to uh, fixing America is to change America into something that is never intended to be. Uh, They're mad about the Supreme Court. Let's put six more people on the Supreme Court. They're (laughs) mad about the uh, the state of our democracy. Let's just add two more states to the union. Uh, They're mad about the fact that they cannot see win in states uh, that tend to go Republican. Uh, Let's just get rid of the Electoral College. So uh, their answer to fix America is to break America. Our solution is to say, why don't we just find out why our politics have become so broken? Focus on the things that all Americans are concerned about, the fact that food costs are through the roof, that there's no formula for the toddlers, that Rochester, New York, has become the epicenter for crime in the country, that Syracuse, New York, has become the epicenter for child poverty in the nation, and that New York City, the city that we all love, has seen the descent into chaos and lawlessness because of the defund police movement, because of the Cassis bail, because because people like Chuck Schumer have elevated the needs of the lawless over the actual responsibility to the common man. One more minute to go. You mentioned Chuck Schumer. You're running against him in November. He's also the guy that yelled and screamed about Brett Kavanaugh. Now somebody with a gun showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's house. We're seeing more and more folks outside the justices' homes. And, of course, Joe Biden, his administration, actually encouraged that. Uh, in a minute or less, tell everybody why you're the right guy to beat Chuck Schumer come November. Look, if you are unhappy with what has happened in America, you can cannot vote for the man who built it. Chuck Schumer built this state. Chuck Schumer is responsible for the policies that have led to you going bankrupt at the pump. He is responsible for the fact that 60% of our children do not read at grade level in our schools. He is responsible for the fact that why he says he loves your children, pushed through a bill in the Senate that only had $300 million to keep our children safe in schools, while we just shipped $55 billion to Ukraine and another billion dollars coming. My hometown in Yonkers, real quick, we have uh, close to 27,000 students. Our schools are in disrepair. Average building is 75 years old. Some buildings built in the 18th, uh, 1800s. Wow. Uh, so that is the disrepair in America. The price tag to fix the schools in my hometown, $2 billion. So Jeez. one city, one state, third largest city in New York State, $2 billion. The money they put together to harden the schools in this country, $300 million nationwide. That is not a plan. That is a con. And issue by issue by issue, Chuck Schumer gets in the back room with the people in the name of political power, tries to con the American people, tries to bribe you with your own money, and at the end of the day, you're left with empty dreams, empty promises, and a future that has been mortgaged with children looking around saying, what happened to the dreams that were promised? JoePinion.com. That's how they help. JoePinion.com, we've got a deadline coming up, but more importantly, we've got a nation to save, we've got a state to turn around, and if you can hear my voice, you can help us send Chuck Schumer packing on November 8th, but the road starts today, 61 days of summer, July 1st to August 31st, that will be the difference, will we be a cooked goose, or will we be positioned to give you back the state that you deserve, only time will tell, only your efforts will count, but you can go to JoePinion.com, help us get the job done, from police to nurses,
churches, to unions all around. Uh, this is not a left versus right fight. It's right versus wrong. We're going to triumph. We're going to hold Chuck Schumer accountable. Help us out. Get the job done this year. Great to see you as always. Always, my friend. The God man. There he is, folks. Uh, Joe Pinion. If you like what you heard there, and if you didn't, then, uh, well, you need, you need to check yourself in because that is a brilliant man right there with a plan. A man with a plan. Democrats never have a plan. He's got a plan. Please help him out today at JoePinion.com. That's P-I-N-I-O-N.com and help him get Chuck Schumer out of office. Now, we're still going to play Beat Sid coming up at 940 this morning. A contestant for that. We'll take that right now. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. You've got a guy that announced yesterday he's running for president. And uh, this one is uh, out of left field. Now, he's done that before. He's done it before. But uh, wait till you hear why he wants to run for president. You're really going to enjoy that. Zeldin gets the win last night. Hochul also gets the win last night. The Yankees get another win last night. Nancy Pelosi and her husband, Paul, receive communion in the Vatican. But the question is, what are they hiding? Why won't we be able? Why can't we see the, the body, the, 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 the cams from the car that Paul Pelosi was in? Who was with Paul Pelosi? What exactly happened that night? For some reason, that, that attorney out in Los Angeles, that lady... She is not giving us all the information. We want to know more. And Nancy Pelosi doing her best to make sure we find out uh, as little as possible. That's also a very, very big story today. And 51 dead inside that truck in San Antonio, Texas. Whose fault is that? Joe Biden, of course. So we'll take a short break. We'll come back with more. Sid Rosenberg on a Wednesday morning right here on Bernie and Sid. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good. Great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I love you. God, I love you. I love you. I love John. I love you all. feel very, um, a lot of gratitude today. I don't know why. I just do. I have a lot of gratitude today. So I have these days, you know. I'm a recovering addict, and uh, most of the time I'm not really happy, but I, I play it off well. <laughs> but a lot of gratitude today. So, which, uh, Margo, I love you, and I love all of you. I love you, Justin. Well, you and, and uh, Lewis, I love, and Macedonia, and uh, all of you. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, don't stop throwing Susie Aston. Susie Aston. I love you. I love you too, buddy. Yeah. I love you too. Well, thank you for telling me how great the show is today, too. Which uh, you never say on the air, of course. Because I don't know why you don't, but you did say during the break that the show was really, really great today. Well, you know, I don't want to give uh, listeners here the uh, impression that um, you know I'm going through the motions. Right. Sure. 
Whatever so, that means. Uh, yeah. you know, some. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Some constructive criticism kind of. Uh, right. You don't have any constructive criticism. He's for meandering me. right yeah. now. Yeah, he really yeah. is. <laughs> hey, did you pick up. Uh, hey, Phil, did you pick up Sal Moglin on line one? We've got Beat Sid coming up. I've got some great audio, too, so don't go anywhere. Then, of course, you've got uh, Brian Kilmeade coming up at 10 o'clock. He's always good. Did you get that? Uh, why do you keep losing that guy? What's going on with that, Phil? You're like the worst call screener ever, just so you know. You're a great, you're a great addition to the show, and you've made me forget about Luke Legrano in about 15 minutes, but you're the worst Who? call screener ever. Thank you, thank you. No. That's all you have to say is thank you? And... Well, I mean, it's going to be hard to defend myself in this no, situation. But why? Why can't you get Sal Moglin on the phone? I, I, was, I was too busy uh, writing down everything that you're saying. Oh, okay. All He's, right. He misses his home of Macedonia. <laughs> it doesn't even <laughs> exist anymore, does it? <laughs> no, it's still a country. Oh, it is still a country. Still a country. Yeah. Here's Sal Moglin again. You want yeah, to try I'll, to... I'll, I'll take him. Don't worry. I got him this time. By the way, the audience has no... talking about They have no idea who this guy is. They're like, who the hell is Sal Moglin? Why do you keep talking about Sal Moglin? And you're about to find out why momentarily. But um, I did want to play this Megyn Kelly stuff. I like Megyn. You know, she got railroaded. By the way, she got railroaded. NBC paid her, like, paid her, I think, like $50 million. I should only get so railroaded, you know. I only wish that people hated me so much they gave me $50 million to get out, you know. But uh, that was the deal. You know, she signed a big deal after leaving Fox News, and she was going to be the next um, Katie Couric. And it didn't work out that way. But uh, what the hell is Sal Moglin? <laughs> he might have the worst sounding phone I've ever heard in my entire life. You hung up on him? I told him to call back. His phone sounds horrible. We can't put him on air. What if he can't call back? He's like 70-something years old. He called four times. He'll call back. No, yeah, what if he doesn't first... call back? I told him to call back. Why so can't you call him back? I don't have his number. Take his number when he calls back next time. All right. This is never going to happen, is it? I hope. Let's be optimistic here. Okay. And no one has any idea again who we're talking about. Yeah, I really hope he calls. Jesus. <laughs> or the world's going to end. This is a very Sal. inside the studio thing. Please, yeah. Sal. Inside baseball for you. So, Megan, uh, you know, she got uh, railroaded by NBC because that uh, jerk, that racist, uh, who's actually, him and I get along, believe it or not, Roland Morton, uh, got her in all kinds of trouble about blackface and Halloween. And long story short, now she's reduced to some podcast somewhere. She should do a podcast here. You know, we're starting, uh, and I have to give Chad Lopez a lot of credit for this. We put together a very impressive podcast department. In fact, I'm hoping to get my friend Wendy Williams over here. Um, Wendy would be great. But uh, so would uh, Megyn Kelly. But anyway, so she does this uh, podcast now, I guess. But, um, you know, she started that whole Donald Trump thing. At the very, very, very beginning of that first debate, when she accused Donald Trump, you remember, of uh, talking down to women. You call women pigs. You call women animals. And, of course, he had the brilliant answer, one of Bernie McGurk's favorite moments ever when he said, and I quote, only Rosie O'Donnell. And uh, that was it. America fell in love with Donald Trump right there. But uh, Megan is actually a very, very bright lady, and I like her. And she was on with uh, Eric Bowling. Eric Bowling is now on Newsmax, the former Fox News host. He's now on Newsmax. And they were talking specifically about um, AOC. Now, Liz Warren's another one, but AOC has been very outspoken about impeaching some of the Supreme Court justices, specifically Brian Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch, both, of course, uh, picked by Donald Trump. So um, Kelly came out after AOC, and she spoke like I would, to be honest. 
This is a courtesy of Newsmax, Eric Bowling's show, Megyn Kelly, 17, Lewis. You know, AOC was out there today or over the weekend, I guess it was over the weekend, talking about impeaching some of the, the chief, ju- not the, some of the justices, the conservative justices. Weighing in on AOC's thought on that, and also Elizabeth Warren coming at the, the judges pretty darn hard. I mean, these, these people were appointed through the legal process. We have precedents. There's nothing new about this yet. They think because yeah. it didn't go their way, they got to change the court. What are your thoughts? Well, I'll distinguish between the two because I think AOC is a moron. Uh, I think <laughs> Elizabeth Warren is smart. Uh, she's ideological and not necessarily aligned with you or with myself. But uh, I think AOC is not that smart, and she really just wants to be a star. She's sort of a, a Kardashian in Congress. And I guarantee you she hasn't read the decision, and I guarantee you she has no understanding of what substantive due process is, uh, or uh, the history of any of what she's talking about. Hard to argue that Liz Warren, uh, while a liar, of course, passing herself off as Native American all these years, uh, Pocahontas, and that's not the case. She is definitely smarter than AOC, but then again, who's not? I mean, Andrew Giuliani's six-month-old daughter, Grace, probably stacks up against AOC when it comes to intelligence. But uh, at any rate, Megyn Kelly called her a moron, and uh, that makes for great television and great radio because I like when people talk like that, which I talk like that. You know, people complain all the time. Why does it have to say jerk off and school? Shut up. Because I'm from Brooklyn. That's why. That's how we talk. We don't, we, don't, we don't try to make it nice. We don't try to figure out a way. Hey, could you say it nicer? I remember one time um, one of these program directors, I'm not going to say who it is. It doesn't matter. Program directors come and go, and guess who doesn't? Me. Unless I get fired, of course, which I did for many years, but not anymore. So uh, one time the guy said, you know, you said ass on the air today. I said, oh, my God, did I really? Jeez. Wow. Yeah. He goes, can you figure out a way to say it nicer? I say, sure. You want me to say tushy? What do you want me to say? I don't understand. How do you, what, what do you mean? Say it nicer. Kiss my tushy? That doesn't sound right. I'm from Brooklyn. Well, you got to figure it out. You, you just, you know, you, you, there's, there's kids in the car. I said, well, kids? What do I care about? Let me tell you something, okay? This show is not necessarily for kids. Forget about whether or not I, I use some language you may not love. And Bernie, by the way, is not far behind me, but he is behind me. I, you know what we're discussing here? Fentanyl deaths, you know, basically treason, you know, murders in the streets, kids teaching, uh, teachers teaching kids about sex, oral and anal sex in the third grade. You're worried about me saying ass? Do you understand what's going on on this show every day? Why is your kid even listening? We don't do the show for kids. We do the show for mommy and daddy. So when little little Jane is in the car or little Tommy, put on Elvis Duran for 10 minutes. And then come back to us because you're an adult. I don't do the show for kids. Anytime a program director or somebody yells at me about a kid in the car, I, I don't listen. I may act like I do. I don't listen. I don't do the show for kids. You know? And by the way, in my household, not that I'm proud of it, but it is what it is. Uh, my kids are used to hearing those types of things. You know, I remember years and years ago, they, uh, you know, in the Bible Belt, you know, they don't like cursing. They don't like any of that stuff. And um, there was a uh, porn store in some state. I may have been Alabama. It was a video store, a video store. And they had that little wooden door with the stop sign. And you walk through that door, which you've done many times, Lou, and all the porn movies are in there. You know what I'm talking about. Please don't bring me into this yeah. one of your Many times you've been there. Okay. You've been there many okay. times. Yeah. I don't like where it's going. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so there was a Little League baseball team in one of these, uh, you know, Pedumpta Gaisha places. And um, they, uh, they were sponsored by the video store. You know, and the parents went nuts. You can't sponsor my, my little boy's Little League baseball team. You've got porn in that uh, video store, you know. 
They made a big deal about it, and they eventually yanked it and the whole thing. And then it turned out like these parents were found to, you know, they, 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 they found things in, in their background, child porn, all kinds of nasty stuff that you wouldn't believe in a million years. But they feigned this horror, you know. Uh, Imus was very good at feigning horror. He was great at that. Don't say that. Don't say that. And then he gave me, uh, you see what you just did, Lewis? He would take his finger. He would take his, his second finger on his right hand, and he would tell me, come on, give me more, Sid. Give me more, Sid. Now, whatever I said, which was horrible, and I, um, I believe me when I tell you, I'm remorseful about a lot of stuff I said. The Williams sisters, Kali Minogue, it was terrible. Terrible. Give me more, Sid. Give me more, Sid. That's how these folks are, you know. Everybody is holier than thou. Everybody is. Not me. Not me. You know? I mean, I, I live a pretty righteous life. I'm not perfect. Not by any stretch. But um, I don't want to hear about your dopey kid in the car being upset because I said the word ass in the morning. I mean, give me a break. Anyway, that is the, uh, the Megyn Kelly story. So I told you uh, Joe Pinion got all fired up. He's like, who wants to run for president? Who are you talking about? I said, well, I'll tell you who it is. I said he's done this before. Many years ago, he said he was going to run for president, and his running mate was going to be Jesse Ventura. Jesse was the body when he was a professional wrestler. Then he became the mind when he became the governor of the great state of Minnesota, he beat my cousin, Norm Coleman. Still unbelievable to this day that Jesse Ventura beat my cousin and Hubert Humphrey in the great state of Minnesota. But he did. He actually had a very smart campaign. He, all the way back then, he talked about legalizing weed, and he, he rounded up all the 18-year-olds, and he found a way to win. But this guy said uh, Jesse would be his running mate years ago. Then he shelved it. He shelved it. And now he's back talking about it. And he is uh, far and away the greatest talk show host in the history of our profession. And I know Bernie Ophristom is Coward Stern, and I know you folks hate him. And I do, too, when he talks politics. I hate him. I won't even listen to him. And he certainly, over the last couple of years, uh, doesn't hold the same place in my heart that he used to, but I'm adult enough, adult enough to admit he's the greatest of all time and still is. Nobody does a better interview than Howard Stern. No one's even close, maybe except for me. That's it. You want to have an honest conversation? That's the truth. But his politics, brutal. I mean, liberal, he's to the left of Bernie Sanders. Hanging out with George Stephanopoulos and all these uh, Yankholes up in, in the Hamptons, you know. So yesterday, he's uh, talking about all the issues with the country and the Supreme Court and all this nonsense. And he says to Robin, maybe it's time for me to run for president again. Well, he never ran before. He just talked about it. But maybe it's time for me to run for president. So folks, get ready for your next candidate. Howard Stern. I said to Robin, and I hate to say this, but, but I said to her, I'm actually going to probably have to run for president now. And she goes, I and know. then my wife. I was trying to push him into it earlier. Now yeah. he's reluctantly stepping well, up. Now it's very hard to have a Supreme Court that has openly lied. <laughs> now you don't mind if I lie to you or Robin lies to you, but when the Supreme Court goes into lying publicly, it really does undermine everything. I am going to do the very simple thing that will set the country straight. One vote, one person, no more of this electoral college. I'm getting rid of it. He so has your vote. Oh, my God, Lou. You, you, he so has your vote. Uh-oh. All he has to do is say it. Just say it, man. Just say you're running. <laughs> Just say it. And we'll make an elephant boy. He'll be like the secretary of state. The shame crackhead Bob is dead, but we could use, uh, you know, I can't even say the names of the characters because, like, the R word is in there. 
when you talk about Wendy. I don't know if you're a big fan or not, but I can't even name the characters because there's words in there I'm not supposed to say anymore. Well, being working for the last 30 years, the same shift, it's been tough for me to listen. Yeah, well, that's, that's he's on satellite. They replay the show all day. Oh, that's right, Lou. Yeah. Wake up. Yeah. Hello. Hello, Hello, Lou. Hi. Hi, Lou. Wait, welcome to 2022. Oh, look who it is. Sal Mogley. <laughs> So let me tell you who this guy is before you put him on the air. So many years ago, I became friendly with a guy named Chuck Scholl. Chuck Scholl was a hero Brooklyn cop, and he died like two weeks ago. You remember that day, Lou, that Friday afternoon when I left and I found out from Joe Esposito that Chuck Scholl died, I was destroyed. All right, yep. So I met Chuck Scholl every year, September the 10th, at Maimonides Ballpark, uh, the Brooklyn Cyclones home stadium. They do this, this, um, you know, this whole tribute for 9-11. Every firefighter and cop that died on 9-11 that came from Brooklyn is on this wall of remembrance that this guy Sal actually built. It is a beautiful, beautiful wall. I know a lot of the names, and we pay tribute to those guys every year the night before September the 11th. And Sal is there. He was out last year. He was sick. But, and Chuck Scholl was there and a host of others. So it turns out, I guess, that uh, he built the wall on July the 15th. And now they're doing another event on the day the wall was, the wall was actually built to celebrate the 20-year anniversary. So here he is from Brooklyn, but now living in New Jersey. Sal, Sal, good morning. How are you, pal? Good morning, my friend. Great show with Peter King. I mean, it was Thank wonderful. You. Thank you. Uh, this year we're going to honor... The memory of Jim Fossil, Coach Fossil. Oh, uh, one of my best friends. You know, the Giants coach was one of my dear buddies. His family's coming. I would like you to introduce his son to throw in a pitch for us. Now, you're talking about his son who works for the Dallas Cowboys? Or you that's talk- right. Oh, John, his son John. His daughter the is lovely, family's too. coming. Oh, that's great. Yes, I'd love to do that. I'd love to. That would be a huge honor, Sal. I would love to do that. Because if you introduce them, we would be very proud. The, the other family we're honoring is the Haskell family. Oh, my God. My friends, too. You know, I talk to Timmy and all those guys, Kenny, all those guys all the time. Well, of course, it's Tommy and Timmy who are on our wall. And we're going to have the Haskell family. Maureen Haskell will be there. And Kenny Haskell will be there. So that's the other people we want you to introduce. The Haskell, Kenny, to throw in a pitch for us. Kenny's a great guy. In fact, uh, they gave me a beautiful hockey jersey this year, September the 10th, which I wore recently during a Ranger game. So the Fossil family and the Haskell family. family Both of them are going to be honored that night. Wow. Rabbi Podastic is going to be there. Uh, Monsignor Delendic is going to be there. And we're going to do a a little ceremony at the wall at 6 o'clock. And then the game, we go in, we're having the bagpipers, we're having the ceremony unit, we're having the probies carrying the flag. One of the firefighters will be singing the national anthem. And it'll wow. just be a wonderful night for the families. That's what it's all about, especially now that is the new name of the park, Maimonides Park. Well, listen, it's an honor to be even included in the conversation with the, with the actually the high schools and uh, Jim Fossil, who I miss and love dearly. And uh, anything you do, of course, uh, the whole September 10th thing is always the highlight of the year for me. So thank you for always thinking of me, Sal. And uh, you betcha I'll be there and uh, very enthusiastic to do so. Thank you so much. One, one other thing is that our memorial is the only memorial that has a dog on the wall. That's right. That's right. A dog that died. Uh, a dog, serious that died that day. And yeah. in honor of the dog, the, our foundation will be sponsoring three dogs this year, one for the fire marshals, one for the Port Authority cops, and one for the NYPD. Wow. 
I would ordered ho- the cops from the univer- uh, the dogs from the University of Pennsylvania. It takes us a year to get them. Hmm. They're specifically trained for fire marshal, for arson, port authority cops for the airports and bus terminals, and crowd control for the NYPD. So we, we've raised money. Each dog cost us ten thousand dollars, but they're trained for a whole year. Wow. And this year, the first dog will be going to the fire department for the fire marshal. One of their dogs retired, and we're going to replace the dog. Spectacular. And I would hope you're going to say something that night uh, in respect to the great Chuck Scholl, yes? Oh, yes. Yeah. Chuck was a wonderful guy. He came to all our events, and we're all going to miss him a lot. And yeah. uh, they'll even say a little prayer for him. Sal, I love you, man. Thank you so much okay. for calling. And I saw your friend John at the YMCA yesterday in Rockaway. Do you know that? I didn't know, no. Yeah, yeah, the guy, he's a fireman out in uh, Rockaway, John. What a super guy. And he said, so I was about to call you. So thank you for calling. Thank you for the invite. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Keep up the great work. Bring Gabe. I will bring Gabe, yes, of course. That would be great. Thank you, Sal. We'd love you to have Gabe come on the field with us, and that would be something special. Thank you, Sal. I love you. Thank you, pal. Thank you so much. I love it when they include my son. It's uh, actually Gabe and I worked out together yesterday. First ever chest workout with Daddy. And I got yelled at by Danielle. Now, it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to beat Bernie. Oh, my oh. gosh. I didn't just watch that. Do you like that grand entrance? And now, you know, clapping. Let's bring it up for the host. Let's bring it up for the host, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am Justin. I like your host for the game today. God, right to the end. A special edition of the Beat Birdie game. Due to Bernie's absence, we'll be doing Beat Sid today once again. The game brought to you by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers, America's best built boilers. Go to uh, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. Look at me doing this off the top of my head, Lou. Look at me. And Pavilion, now Justin you know, uh for America's best built boilers. Uh, thank you to Pete Morgan for uh, the game today. Brian in Massapequa. What's going on, Bry? How are you, fellas? Thanks for having me on. All right. Yeah, we're going to call you Spry Bry. That sounds good. All right. I've been called that before. Well, for, for a guy who owns a beer shop, I was hoping, you know, you have a little bit more chutzpah about it. No? Man, even uh, Yeah, well, you know, it's the radio aspect of it. Yeah, right. I'm in the bar business. I uh, have a bar in Gramercy and another one in Midtown. A bar. So our yeah. call screener, Phil, here put uh, owns a beer shop. He told me beer shop. I'm uh, sticking uh, with it. I'm writing it down I word mean, for word. It's the longest. I have beer shops as well. So look it's, at that. It's, we yeah, should look at that. Of, you can still yeah. drink in it. It's a bar. Yeah. It's got beer. You can. This yeah, a it's bar. a bar. Correct. Put drinks here. It's a bar. No liquor. All right. What, what's the bar called, Brian? Uh, Plug Ugly's in Gramercy. We've been there for uh, 25 years. Oh, how about that? Uh, yeah. All right, man. It's, uh, it's a great business. Yeah, I love Gramercy. I'll uh, I'll stop on by. Uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll have a pint Don't together. Hold your breath, Me and yeah, you. We'll be there. Let me know when you're in town. All right, you got it. I am the king of empty promises. Actually, no, that that's that's Sydney. He's the king of empty promises. You ready to go? You ready to go for the game today, bud? Hey, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, I guess we will give it a shot. Uh, you know, you're pretty much backed up against the wall at this point. You are on the air. So, uh, you know, the choice is, is no longer there. All right, you ready for number one, bud? All right. Let's 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 do it. Number one, standing just five feet and three inches tall, who was the shortest man to ever play in the NBA? Uh, Muggsy Bull. Very good. He knew that one. Two. 
Life After Death is the name of the most recent RIAA certified diamond album, which is an album that has 10 plus million sales, that was released by which deceased hip hop artist in 1997? Uh, Whitney Houston? Wrong, you two legged back of anthrax. The correct answer would be Notorious B.I.G., otherwise known as ah. Biggie Small. A bit of an oxymoron. Frozen effect. So we call Justin right. someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't pay you for your comedy. Okay. Okay. Shut up. All right. One for two. Number three. What country has made the most appearances in the Summer Olympics without ever winning a medal? Is it A. Fiji, B. Liechtenstein, or C. Saudi Arabia? <laughs> Close. <laughs> Uh, what was B? <laughs> How do you say it? Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein. Ah, Lichtenstein. Yeah. Ah, that's, uh, I'll go with Fiji. Hey. Wrong, you two-legged back of anthrax should be Jesus. No. The correct answer was indeed Liechtenstein. Ah, had you said it right, I would have gotten it. Well, yeah, well said. It's my fault. Okay. Naturally. <laughs> Everything's my fault. All right, uh, one, one, one for three. One for three. Let's try and go two for four. A little, ba- a little 500 batting average ain't bad. Number four, the Triple Crown is awarded to the horse that wins what three races? Uh, the Belmont, uh, the Kentucky Derby, and shoot, uh, hold on, the Preakness. I've been there. Very good, Spry Bry. Two for four. Two for four. All right, here we go. One more. You got it, buddy. Number five, what movie topped Avatar as the highest grossing film of all time in 2019? Oh, huh. I know I should get this. I don't watch a lot of current movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm mm. uh, afraid I don't know. Mm. Uh, wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax should be Jesus. Mm. Uh, you're, not a big su- you're not a big superhero guy, huh? No, definitely not. I haven't seen any of them. Oh, do you, you have kids? I do, and they don't watch them either. Oh, well, how about that? <laughs> yeah, no, not, big, not a big movie fan. All right, well, I, you'll find out the correct answer after uh, Sid uh, presumably gets it wrong because he's back in the studio would, now. All right? All right, good. All good. right, we'll, we'll get you on hold. You'll get a chance to talk to the big guy uh, when his turn Hello. expires. What? All right, let's go. It's your favorite part of the day. You were, like, having so much fun, and now you're like... No, I'm having a lot of fun. Are you? Yes, there's like 18 people in the control room watching this. I'm like clapping and... Why? I get into it. They're a fan of me. It's like the you know, the cute interns and Meanie and uh, Gabby and... Uh, they like when I... A couple of guys they who like look like they... Uh, oh, yeah. you know, they, missed a, they missed their last shot. You know what I'm saying, right? A lot of people think I'm very punchy. They think I'm very charismatic. Will you, you shut up and host yeah. the damn game? Jesus. On, on top of being just extremely handsome and uh, a good guy. He's hanging out with me way too much. Yeah. Do you? When are, we, when are we back on the air? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Oh, wait, we're, we're live? No. Oh, my God. Let's go. Come on. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. God. All right. Uh, our contestant went two for five, right, Lou? He went two for five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, two yeah. for five. Yeah. And he really wasn't even very close to going three for five. No. So uh, nope. you need nope. three to win today's game. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Okay. Let's turn that brain on. Here we go, buddy. Number one, standing just five feet and three inches tall, who was the shortest man to ever play in the NBA? Oh, could be two guys here. Could be Charlie Chris, the great Milwaukee Buck, and it could be Spud Webb. I'm gonna go with uh, Spud Webb. Wrong, you two-legged back of anthrax should be Jesus. So it was neither of those. Who was it? Muggsy Bogues. Oh, Muggsy. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Good one. That's really short, 5'3". That is short. How did he get in? What do you do? Legally, you can shoot. Legally, you can shoot. Legally, to be a little person, 4'9", I think. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. That's the cutoff. <laughs> okay. Sid's Sid's done. Let's, Let's go. go. I got to go. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. All right, two, Life After Death is the name of the most recent RIAA certified diamond album, which is an album that has 10-plus million sales. This album was released by which deceased hip-hop artist in 1997? Big E? Yeah, it could have been Tupac. Those are the only two guys I know, by the way. Hate uh, that music. Well, you got it right. All right, good. One for two. All right. You're hot. Whoa. Number three, what country has made the most appearances in the Summer Olympics without ever winning a medal? Is it A, Fiji, B, Liechtenstein, or C, Saudi Arabia? Wow. Mm. Huh. Mm. C, Saudi Arabia. Wrong, you two-legged F you. God. Uh, cold. Come on. Is it Liechtenstein? Yeah. Uh, I was going to go with that, too. Yeah. Uh, well, you yeah. should have. Apparently. Uh, apparently no. not, because no. you, 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 you no. went for Saudi Arabia. i got to get both of these right to win the game now. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Wow. There we go. Really? You know your math. Making it tough on you. <laughs> Macedonian <laughs> Phil. Actually, Meany said you found a way to include some Eastern European countries. So, well done, brother. Get yeah. Number four. Well, we know Macedonian Phil will go right to the LIV Golf League if he had these. <laughs> oh, no question. All right. Number four. The Triple Crown is awarded to the horse that wins what three races? Kentucky Derby, Preakness, and Belmont. All right. That was an easy one for you. That was too easy. How many Triple Crown winners were there in the 1970s? Four. Incorrect. Three. Oh, that was a wild guess. Seattle man. Salute, Secretary, and Affirm. Let's go. Come on. Okay, come on. Dude, you're the one that keeps... Jeez. All right, like, fine. Like, Let's go. It. Stop. Jeez. It's only, it's only okay when Sydney does it. Let's go, dickface. God. Number five. You ready? Shit took a turn for the worse. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. All right. What movie topped Avatar as the highest grossing film of all time in 2019? I didn't realize it was Avatar. James Cameron, man, he can't do anything wrong. Titanic, Avatar. Some movie in 2019 made more money than Avatar. Forget it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to take any credit if I get it right, so it's a 2-2 time. But who is the star of the movie? This is a hint. The star of the movie? There's a bunch of stars. But I guess the star of the movie would have to be... Uh, it's not going to help you. Uh, I guess it could either Robert be Robert Downey, Downey Jr. or uh, Chris Evans would be the two, the two main stars. I got to tell you, I don't know the answer. Well, All right. Who is it? It's Avengers Endgame. Oh, yes. Yes, he played Iron Man, obviously, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Right? Uh, is that where uh, they all died? They well, who, all did, died? who did Chris Evans play? Chris Evans played uh, Aquaman. No, Captain America. <laughs> Everybody died, right? Well, Aquaman's like the most useless superhero of all time. Well, thank you. Because he's not in Marvel, so. I, I still have yeah. underwear that I wear even today with Aquaman on. Yeah. Right. Tidy, tidy whiteies? Yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Go talk to the fish, then. Go do other things with him, too. Oh, hey, 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 hey now. Who's this uh, contestant out today? Glenn? Minnows. Glenn, no, not even close. Spry, Bry, Brian. <laughs> oh, Brian. Hey, Brian, how are you, pal? <laughs> I'm well, Sid. Good morning. How are you? You know, I used to uh, go to Massapequa way back when. I used to uh, bang a chick. She used to work at the uh, Busy Bee Flea Market. Know that place? Yeah, of course. Of course. It's famous for uh, knockoff gold. You buy a lot of knockoff gold there. That's where everybody yeah. goes. And it was like right off of Sunrise. Yeah. What, what's the highway there, Brian, that it's right off of? Um... Yeah, it's Hempstead Turnpike. There you yeah, go. Hempstead Turnpike. And I would drive yep. there from Brooklyn at like 3 o'clock in the morning, completely toasted. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, massive people. But, uh, anyway, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Baldwin family is from there, too, right? They are. So that Brian Kilmeade, I believe, is from yes, uh, yes. Is from Pequot as well. Yes. Yeah. But you're the better Brian yeah. from Massapequa than Brian Kilmeade. I like. So. <laughs> I like to think so. Thanks. For that. I appreciate well, that. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you for playing today. Thank you for listening, and God bless you and your whole family. Okay, pal. Uh, thank you, Sid. Thank you for everything you do for the fire department. Too. I'm oh my God, I love you guys. You got it. Happy Fourth of July, yeah. Brian. Thank you.
Thank you very much. Sid. God Speak bless. Your minds. Take care. Brian from Massapequa, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. We will come back and close shop on Bernie and Sid right after this. Beat Bernie, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Macedonia, Philly loves it too. Every time walk by, you walk by, just like me. Just Karen like Carpenter, me. they long to be. We decided earlier that uh, she, uh, well, by a vote here in the Bernie and Sid show without Bernard. And Bernie will probably uh, disagree with this, and that's fine. He's not here to state his case. She's the greatest female singer ever, and she got three songs on today's show, including that one. Both July 4th weekend is a big weekend. Not only is it 77 WABC's All-American weekend, but it's the kickoff of the second season of our special programming celebrating 100 years of 77 WABC. Listen at 3 p.m. every Sunday starting July the 3rd through September for a one-hour special honoring WABC icons, which amazingly, I'm one now, me and Bernard. Can't make it up. This is a great work done by Chris Libertini. Great work. This Sunday, July the 3rd, 77 WABC highlights WABC morning shows. That's us waking up in New York since 1921. It's all part of 77 WABC celebrating 100 years. It'll be presented documentary style, and it features 100 years of WABC morning shows from Don McNeil's Breakfast Club to HOA to Ross and Wilson, Curtis and Kuby, I Miss in the Morning, and the only one ever rated number one in New York, us, Bernie and Sid. That's right, Alan Sniffin, the only one. Thanks to uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis. <laughs> You're insane. <laughs> I really am. So, I need help, man. Take that, Alan Sniffin. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you care? Scazzeri would laugh. Uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis, ah! uh, they really made this all possible. Uh, we've got a great boss in Chad Lopez. He's one of the smartest guys I know. And uh, that poor bastard had all these great ideas at Cumulus, and it didn't matter. And now, given the opportunity with John and Margo to implement his ideas, the three of them, John, Margo, and Chad, they make for a wonderful team. And uh, we're loving all this success, thanks to them. It's another amazing thing that we at 77 WABC are doing to celebrate 100 years. Congratulations also to Chris Libertini on his fine work. So that's it. We are done 
want to thank our uh, four guests today, all terrific. Patty Mack, Patrick McEnroe, live this morning from Wimbledon. I think Djokovic is about to win. Serena lost yesterday. Also, a very gracious Andrew Giuliani calling in at 8 o'clock, congratulating Lee Zeldin on the big win and uh, talking about his future. Zeldin will take on Kathy Hochul in November. And whether you liked uh, Astorino or Giuliani or one of the five people that liked Harry Wilson, <laughs> make sure you find a way to love Lee Zeldin come November. Peter King stepped up in a big, big way today, too. It was a great appearance. And uh, Joe Pinion running against Chuck Schumer. Great job as well. God, I love this song. My sister Alana's song. Great job by Galu Rufino as always. The greatest board up in the history of radio. In the history. Justin Ellick, terrific job. Great that Macedonia Phil back on the show. Frankie Diaz with an E. Deb Valentine. And good morning, Jacqueline Cole. We'll all be back tomorrow morning at 6, maybe even Bernard. Either way, I'll be here. I can promise you that. It's a gorgeous day in New York City, folks. Go enjoy your Wednesday. Until tomorrow at 6, from all of us to all of you, in the words of Karen Carpenter, we've only just begun. Peace. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident.